0: The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990. Powered by Palladio Home and Garden. With your hosts, Veta Vance, Kenneth Mabry,
1: and Jim Crowder.
2: Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad we can be up with you this morning. Letting y'all know that we are here and live.
3: And it's daylight out there. I was driving in mm-hmm. thinking, am I running late or what? And it was just a week ago mm-hmm. that it... It wasn't this daylight no, driving in. It
2: wasn't.
3: I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, in one week, you know? Isn't that amazing what changes in one week? I mean, I could be out there cutting the grass right now, trimming hedges, uh-huh. cleaning yeah. up, and my neighbors probably wouldn't like no. it. But
2: but I know, it's just, it's plain as day And out it there. feels
3: great out there. Not, what that, did I see a high of 79, or is
0: I still so. asleep? Yeah, it's going to be in the 70s for a day or two, I think. And then I saw some 90s.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to take us a week to get to the 90s. But it's all good. We are summer. What are you going to expect? Yeah, but we
0: are are in a drought. I mean, you know. Thank uh, you. I got lucky. uh, It's been a week or so ago over a two-day period. We got about two inches in Bartlett. And surprise, surprise. You know, a lot of areas didn't get any. And I didn't, by the way. But uh, it's it's dry. I'm having to water, particularly, you know, small pots, cacti, things like that every other day and it's going to be every day when it gets to 90 well my typically i've got a hose in
3: the front to water the front of course and a hose in the back well my wife had gotten me this hose it was one of those little crinkly scrunch hoses whatever Mm -hmm. you call the things and it was fine for i I think a year uh but i love it because it takes up no room whatsoever well i screwed it in the other day cut the water on and it blew up like a balloon and then it blew up (laughs) i'm thinking okay i need another hose back here (laughs) But you're right. I mean, it. today is the day that I've got, I'm going to do some yard work, Jim, but I'm going to spend a good bit of time watering. Yeah.
0: And I'm talking now, about... we got a chance of thunderstorms this evening, but that's the last for seven to ten days. Well, you know yeah. what? I'm going to water anyway, yeah. because
3: every time I rely on Mother Nature to do, do it for me, right. uh, it, it typically doesn't happen, because I still have that dome over my house.
2: Why is away. it? It's literally like that. I tell the guys that to water... Really good. We're on the weekend and they, it doesn't look like it's going to rain at all, you know. And then 30 minutes later, it's raining for hours. But if I say, y'all, it's going to rain, don't worry about it, we're good, of course it's not going to (laughs) rain. Yeah.
3: And, and, you know, one thing also with all the damage that occurred last year during the flash freeze, there are a lot of shrubs being planted that typically wouldn't be planted this year. I mean, Everywhere. And it's really important. And I'm glad you brought that up for those plants to stay hydrated. Went to a lady's house last night on the way home from work to drop some stuff off to her. And I pulled up her driveway and I had to go through this little like brick and then gate area, which was also part of her driveway. And then it curved around. Well, on that curve, there were like maybe 20. Box, well, it used to be boxwoods, okay? And every one of them were dead as a hammer. You could see a little bit of growth maybe at the bottom on some of them. And I asked her, I said, now, are we going to cut these way back and give these a chance? She's like, they're coming out mm-hmm. tomorrow. And, and that was just, you know, that yeah. one little spot right there was going to take probably 20 or 30 boxwoods to reline her driveway. And it looked beautiful, by the way. But that's my point. A lot of that's been going on all over mm-hmm. the city and, like you said, Jim, it is dry as a bone a bone out there. So, yeah. Well,
2: I was thinking that we're all excited about how we're seeing growth coming out and looking, you know, like possibly alive and all. And I'm watching some of the shrubs, if the growth's come out, but it's still staying. Just, just it's the growth. Slow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this,
0: you know, it, it lost all of its food producing tissue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's very slow coming back out yeah. you know I, th- I think for most things now if if you've got sparse growth up in the top mm. it's better mm. to uh, Still take, cut it back cut it back hard or take it out mm-hmm. and just go ahead and start over yeah you know because it's going to be it's going to be a long time you know unless it's something like mm-hmm. a crepe myrtle which it'll be back you know full height yeah. in a year yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: and the stuff that's coming back from root like there's some viburnums that are coming back from the root and they're going to grow up and flush out good. But some of the things that are still that are just the sticks mm-hmm. and then there's little green leaves growing about two feet up each <coughs> stick. And I'm like, how long or is it even going to be able to manufacture enough nutrients to really flush out and be good? and Well, pull?
3: I mean, I, the, I mean, people are patient. I mean, they you know, a lot of people have gone now. A lot of people have just ripped stuff up and they're going to start over. I mm-hmm. get that. A lot of people have really gone in there and cut stuff back because they do see a little growth towards the bottom. And even in the last two or three weeks, you know, we're seeing stuff flush out, flush out. We're seeing growth on things that we didn't see any growth on. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to be patient. And then those same people, you know, I guess they'll look at them through the course of this year. And by the fall, you know, they'll make a determination if they want to go in there and replant these things or not. So, I mean, there's still hope out there for some of these shrubs, but I agree. You know, some of them just going to have to come out of there.
2: It is so strange, though, the way the flash freeze worked (coughs) of what actually was killed back and what actually survived. They they didn't even struggle, and and it's so not what I would have thought. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
3: and then there's also this. I was talking to my sister-in-law last night. Uh, on the phone because she had sent me some pictures and they were uh, of azayas and she lives in st louis okay and these azayas looked horrible i mean it was like four azayas one of them looked okay and the other three just looked l- like three stick bandits okay mm-hmm. and i got to talking to her a and i stick said "Stick
2: bandit what does a stick bandit
3: look you know like, like when you see what well, like a, a a one cane rose that's always called called the one arm bandit you know, so it's got to oh. come out of the ground. Well, this is an azalea. <laughs> okay, I'll go with and that. And it one. had like three little limbs sticking up <laughs> on this thing. But I was like, "Hey," on. I said, no, what kind of azaleas are these? She said, I don't know, just regular azaleas." And I said, well, how much sun are they getting? Because I could see some burn on the foliage that did happen to come out. And she said, well, it gets, you know, full afternoon sun. I'm like, okay, well, we got a problem there. <laughs> so I said, look. These things look so bad. Go ahead and get these out of the ground. And if you want Isaiah's that are going to be in this blazing sun, because you know, she loves Azaias, I said, at least get the Encore Isaiah's. So there's that. I mean, there are things that we really saw damage <laughs> because of the flash freeze. And in this case, it was double hammered. It was flash freeze damage, plus the new foliage that was coming out looked horrible because It was in the wrong spot. Right. You know, it shouldn't have been there to start with.
0: Do you (laughs) think the encores will survive in St. Louis?
3: Uh, That's a good question, Jim. We'll know next year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's my (laughs) sister-in-law.
2: I know if she can find them at the garden center, then I guess they're thinking it's a possibility they'll survive. Yeah. But if you're bringing them to her, then like you said, we'll find out next year. Well,
3: well, I'm not bringing them to her. She's going to have to go out and find them.
2: <laughs> so you my know, advice goes only so far.
3: <laughs> and, and and then a lot of people also, you know, they're they're you know, like we said a couple of weeks ago, they're making lemon lemon I mean, lemonade out of lemons. Right? Mm-hmm. It's forcing them to go in there and make a change. And some people are happy with that. They're yeah. like, you know what, Kenny? You know, I've got all this stuff out. I replanted. I, I did, you know, a little different. And I really love the way it looks now. Yeah, it's just an opportunity. Yeah, you, you're right. You have There's,
2: to look at it that way. That's a good point. That's true. So I have empathy for the two, two types of people, homeowners in this issue. One, the brand new landscape. That just became toast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got it in. You just spent that's that horrible. money. That's horrible. That's horrible. And then the people with the cryptomerias, a big, tall cryptomeria.
0: That's the that's the one plant that really surprised Well, two plants really surprised me. One, that the cryptomeria has gone downhill. Mm-hmm. And the other one is that southern magnolias didn't.
2: I know. Yeah, good you point. Know? Yeah. It yeah. just didn't <laughs> touch them.
0: Right. It didn't freeze the foliage off of them. And, you know. And really we typically think of Needled of real foot lake as about the north end of their their uh, range mm-hmm. um so I was uh, I was really surprised that they didn't suffer more
2: yeah that that's so true because I mean, here we are on the on the
3: northern end of their range yeah. and they were just perfectly fine yeah. what's yeah.
2: the what's the great myrtle range uh about the
0: same it, yeah. you know it'll you'll get some varieties that will until a hard winter, make it up in St. Louis. Yes,
2: um, well, maybe the leaves were so big on the magnolias that the flash freeze really didn't, couldn't, and there were waxy. Where no. I don't know. There's no I reason. I know, can't think of why the, the, the reason
0: <laughs> the damage was done. And of course, y'all know this. I'm t- talking mm-hmm. to you know all the people that are sipping a cup of coffee this morning. Um, <laughs> cold weather makes uh, two things happen in plants lignin formation which makes it hard and the other thing is it it for broadleaf evergreens it signals them to move water and sugar to their root system Mm -hmm. so that when you get severely cold temperatures the leaves don't freeze in last year and like we've had several years here in a row we've had warm warm falls mm-hmm. we had no really cold temperature to get those plants to do that and so they were full of water when the that flash freeze hit it ruptured the cells and mm-hmm. the, the the ice particles inside it just came so quick on right them. so and then you got plants like boxwood that weren't damaged by the cold, they were damaged because they got stressed by the cold, and we got other opportunistic fungi moving in. And you said we're going to do some talking about boxwood talk in the second boxwood, hour. We're going to talk about boxwood, yeah, actually in the third hour and during oh, the way. eight o'clock hour. We're going to talk a good bit about boxwood. Well, I've got wood. some good news.
3: Audrey Fielding texted in, and thank you, Audrey, for that. She said, raining in Bahia right now. Ah! All right. So it, All right. maybe I can uh, get along with just one hose at the moment.
2: Maybe so. Yay. Okay, y'all. You know, it's time to go to a break. Y'all can call us at nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. And if we're if you're driving around listening to us and we're going in and out, then uh, you can stream us live at kwam no the mighty nine yep. ninety Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Glad y'all can join us this morning. I'm Veda with Palladio in Memphis.
3: Yes, yeah, she is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. I'm Jim Crowder,
0: the other guy. And, and Jim, what's what's the? Um... Missoula gardening, gardening in USDA zone six, seven, and eight. We're approaching ten thousand members now. Did, so did you have any idea when you? Not maybe you a did. Clue. Not a clue. I just knew I had all this stuff up here in my head, and that you know that I've learned from gardeners and people like y'all. Uh, and I could share that, you know, and so I'll look for that. And we, I started it about a year before the program. Here. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing that I've noticed on your web, uh, web page. And no, it's not a web page.
3: It's a no, it's Facebook, Facebook group. Facebook group is I know you're the administrator of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know that you'll go in there and kind of scan over and look at things and, and answer questions. But in the last, it seems like in the last month, when I get on your page, they're asking you the question directly, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, "Hold on, how is Jim finding the time to
0: to do this?" Yeah, well, it was like the other morning I wrote an extensive one. It was about two thirty in the morning. Oh Lord, okay, so that's <laughs> how you're finding the time yeah. to do this. I do. I spend a lot of time on it because I read every response. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, and we have people that you know that we have some rules like no advertising and. Don't look up stuff and post it if you don't know what it is or yeah. know anything about it. Just <clears throat> stay in the conversation, yeah. but don't try to contribute because you're not really helping anybody. Mm. Um, so, yeah, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people that will plagiarize stuff, and you know, e- even technically, if you take a picture or a quote out of anything and put it on a Facebook group, that's technically plagiarism.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, and, I, and, I have and, and they're trying to do the right thing. but They they're, are. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. are. But this group is about personal experience. It's a little different. Um, Which so is that's why that's I, I love it so much. Keep, right. And
3: so and, and it's not just you answering the questions. I no, mean, people out no, there. I
0: try not to answer them immediately. I let other people get involved. Right. But, you know, if it goes 8, 10, 12 hours, 24 hours, and nobody's responded, then I'll usually get involved. And I'm going to tell you, the only thing that, to me, that's kind
3: of changed is in the gardening community, as far as trying to ID plants. People will bring a picture in on their phone, which Mm -hmm. I love. Don't get me wrong. Uh, That's better than no picture at all. Uh, But but it all depends on who's taking the picture.
2: That's right. You know, yes, you not know,
3: see a fuzzy leaf. You're like, I have no idea just, what this thing is. It looks like a green blob. It,
2: has, it really does have to be very clear. It does. You know? And then yeah. it doesn't
3: hurt to bring a sample in mm-hmm. also. So if you're having a problem with the plant, uh, of course, you can post a nice, clear picture and send it, Jim, to the Facebook uh, group. But or, it's
2: also good to take one back.
3: And close. And no. I always
2: want to take of the of the soil too, like down around it. Cause I mean, it, there's so much more to being able to diagnose a plant than seeing mm-hmm. the exact issue on the plant. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we can diagnose it that way, but I want to be able to see the full picture so we can tell you, how to keep it from happening, or how to try to heal it, besides just spraying?
3: Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's almost impossible sometimes to diagnose either what either what a plant is or what the problem is with the plant just by a fuzzy picture. Is all I'm right. saying. Yeah,
0: we get. We've had several times where people will show a limb of, let's say, a Japanese maple where the leaves are wilting, and they're yeah. so. What's <laughs> wrong with this? But when they get back and show you a, a full-size picture, you can see the trunk and see where it's discolored from sap running down. Mm-hmm. So we know mm-hmm. we got some sun yeah. scald and some slime flux. Bar yeah. really. You couldn't tell by just looking at that yeah. limb. Not by yeah. looking at the limb, but by looking mm-hmm. at the whole trunk, you know. And we point that out to them, and, you know, a lot of them never notice. Right. Yeah, getting to, see, to get right. to see the whole
3: picture. I'm glad
2: because right. we wouldn't have a job if everybody knew it. But or how about the thing of people will bring in some yellow leaves, and you're going through all these questions and things, and they say, well, because it can um, mean a lot of different things. Yeah, how many, you know, how many leaves are dropping, or and they're like, oh, I just had one yellow leaf. You're like, (laughs) oh, you know, and that's kind of so. If I get a picture of the whole picture, then you just realize instantly you just have a yellow leaf. Well, a yellow leaf happens. But now if you're getting some yellow leaves on the inside first, it's too dry because we're going like Jim was saying, we're heading to the drought. Yeah, but also
3: we know that, you know, especially on evergreens, a lot of times when you start having yellow leaves just fall off the plant, a lot of times that happens at the same time you're getting new growth Mm -hmm. um, because it is just natural shedding. And I don't care if it's magnolias, azaleas and on down the line. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the plant.
2: What is down the line? Well, further got,
3: down the line, like you know, what? Yeah, railroad. What
2: is railroad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> and I'll uh, see how bad it is. I love that. But it's in a lot of the in some years we see more natural. Is it shedding. really a railroad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, down the line. Sure
2: enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm stopping. Go ahead, Ken.
3: So yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is, some years we see more of that than we do other years, and a lot of that's predicated on the growing conditions that, let's say, Isaiah had that year you know a lot of times you know on normal years you see a lot of yellow leaf drop at the same time they are flushing out that new growth other years you don't see it as bad well when people see on one of those years let's say you had a dry growing season that'll do it it will do it uh so it people just think there's something wrong now like you said while ago veda too much water, not enough water, lack of nutrients, wrong pH. I mean there are other factors involved that can cause yellow leaves, right? Mm-hmm. But you're you're exactly right. Just because you're seeing some yellow leaves doesn't mean there's actually anything wrong with the yeah. plant.
2: Could just be one little yellow leaf. Mm-hmm. We found that out a lot with houseplant diagnosis. Was it I mean, you have to get a yellow leaf every once in a while on mm-hmm. plants. And it, it can't stay. It, Picture perfect. Oh,
3: you're right, and most people also think that it's a lack of iron. Okay. Yeah. Well, usually if it's a lack of iron, you do have a leaf that is yellowish, but the usually the veins in the leaf stay really green, and, the,
0: and they're not going to be the oldest inside. Usually, it's on the newest growth that you're going to see. Yeah. That. So, but you're right. But but the
3: first thing a lot of people think of is when they see that yellow leaf is, "Well, I need to pile some iron down there." It's not going to hurt the plant potentially, but it's not going to fix the plant either. Right. You know,
2: right. man. You know, we had a, uh, we have a lime tree at work and well, we had limes and oranges or all that, but one lime tree that came in kind of had a little bit of a crooked trunk. It kept falling over the soil, you know, fell out. You could see the roots and I was like, man, what are we doing here? Let's take it to the greenhouse or take it to the back. And um, I stood it upright, added a bunch of good compost around it just just to buy me some time, you know, until I could get to it and transplant it all, you know, keeping it watered. And it's been like back there for a week. Yeah. And there's probably 50 little fruits forming Mm -mm. on that lime tree, (laughs) Just, just mostly probably because it was stressed. From all of that, and then giving it some food and some soil and all, it started producing. And there's so many little baby It's going to wind up
3: being the best line that you've ever had.
2: But now I don't. I have to pick some of those little flowers or those little fruits off.
3: I would, yeah.
2: Yeah, because like on the clusters at the end, there's probably like 10.
0: But why aren't you saying that you would?
2: Because.
0: If if it's a young tree, it's best to pull them all off.
2: Yeah, you know particularly that. if you've cut them, <laughs> if you've
0: cut them cut it back mm-hmm. um, as I say plants are kind of stupid they can do one thing and they do one thing really well but they don't do two things well yeah so if it's <laughs> producing fruit mm-hmm. it wants to not produce leaves it yeah. slows down the growth uh mm-hmm. so you know it's it's best to okay leave a couple but yeah. remove.
2: Yeah, it, it, I'm going to leave a few that's I'm like, not selling it now <laughs> Yeah, And,
3: that, and that's kind of like telling people to buy bedding plants Without the bloom yeah. on them. You know, yeah, no. It
2: ain't going to happen
3: no. you, can't, you can't sell them that way you right. know. No. But yeah. that's the best way to buy them Is to buy them with just a few little blooms on them And mm-hmm. let them get established And then they'll bloom their heads off No, we want to buy a
0: flat of impatience Or whatever that is in flat out yeah. full bloom Right, right yeah. You know, we tell people when you plant a new fruit tree Don't let it bear any fruit for four or five years you know, let it focus on growing. Well, I know we got to go to a break, but I was talking to a young lady the other day that
3: had some persimmons and it was overproducing. This tree was loaded with persimmons, then it started dropping some. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, we went through the different scenarios and everything seemed perfectly fine. I said, well, you know, it's not uncommon for a tree to abort some of that fruit that it can't take care of. Yeah, it's right. overbearing. Right. You know? Well,
2: yeah. And, and like, the reason why I'm pulling a lot of them off is because they need space to grow, and you can either have a whole bunch of little ones or have some good size ones where they're going to take About good.
0: one fruit for every 10 to 12 inches. That's about what the tree can and so
2: I get one fruit. I have to pull off 50 buds. See,
0: I would have to just leave it alone. We do don't, want to... Uh, Excuse me. Well, before we go to the break here, welcome back, Herbis Systems, a longtime friend of this show. Kenny Crenshaw uh, and the guys. Yeah. Yep, they're uh, they've joined us again, and we'll have Kenny in here and have him talking to us some um, in the near future. Well, also but, when we get uh, back from the break, Jim, uh, I was
3: talking to a Rosarian uh, yesterday, and there's this little thing flying around that I need to tell people about.
0: All righty.
2: All right, we'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you can be here with us. You can call us at 901-260-5926. You can watch us on Facebook Live. Just search uh, Mighty 990 on Facebook, and you'll find us there, and you can post questions there also. Yeah,
3: and any time at your convenience, go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, streaming live all the time, podcast with k one So, And also, Audrey Fielding, she did text back in. She said, is hey okay to put around marigolds uh, in a vegetable garden. So a lot of people, you know, they'll go out there and they'll plant marigolds as a companion plant because technically it's supposed to be somewhat of an insect repellent. Uh, But she said the word hay, Jim. Hey, hey. And I use (laughs) hay, hay.
0: I think there are better things to use than hay. Yeah, straw would be a a preference. Yeah. And And a lot of people confuse those too. You know, a lot of people just see a bale and they automatically say, "Hey, when it's really right strong.
3: And it's, it's probably what she's talking
0: about, yeah. but because why would you not want to just use hay? Hay gets you really see wet. rolled up in a pasture. Yeah, hay, hay gets really wet. Yeah, and can could mold. Yeah, uh, whereas your straw is going to stay drier. You can still get some mold on it, but it's going to be on a, between the ground and the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, if you got it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, you are going to get wheat seed come in on it. On hay you are. Yeah. And you are, you're you're pr- going
3: to on, on straw. Well, you know, what we're selling now is rice straw uh-huh. that looks like wheat straw, but you're not going to have wheat germinating with rice straw. Yeah. And right. it's a bell. I mean, it looks just like, you know, um, wheat straw. So, uh, yeah, I would use a straw over, say, quote, hay yeah. uh, to use an, as a... You know, whether it's a mulch or, you know, a lot of times you see people even put it down the between the rows where they walk. Um, So, yeah, Audrey, that's that's not a problem. I would just try to stay away from from hay. Uh, I told you we were going to the break that I was talking to a rosarian yesterday and she saw this little thing flying around and she's like, hmm. Now, she didn't bring me the bug itself, but she swears (laughs) up and down. She has seen the first Japanese beetle of the year. Okay, and I'm thinking, you know. Really, because last year I remember when the Japanese beetles were at their height, they were tearing up the blooms on my crepe myrtle out of all things. I don't know why they want the crepe myrtle blooms. And they ate every one of them. I didn't have not one bloom left. Uh, And so I said something to Tammy. I said, you know, last year it seems like it was later. And she said last year it was later. For some Mm -hmm. reason they were later last year. And I'm thinking with the cool weather that we've had this year, it seems like they would be later Mm -hmm. this year. But there we go. Mother Nature throwing us a curveball. So, all I'm saying is be aware, be on the lookout. If you see this little metallic green, mean looking beetle flying around, wanting to eat anything, especially roses. And that's why she noticed it because she's around roses all day and they love roses. Okay. If you go out there early morning and you start seeing these, you know, these leaves and these blooms that are just being eaten up. Uh, you'll see these Japanese beetles, uh, you know, usually one or two or three initially, then you'll see them by the hundreds, okay? But my point is, if you've got or have had a Japanese beetle problem, uh, you know, you can put the traps out there to trap them, and some people say that's a pro or con, I get it, but if I always get a trap, put it way back in the corner of your property because draw them away from everything, draw them to the neighbor's house. And then there are some sprays, of course, you know, spinosids and the acephates and those type of sprays, Jim, that you know that would kill Japanese beetles, but my point is, I'm bringing this up because I want people just to be aware that potentially we're going to start seeing some Japanese beetles out there, so, and they have a big old appetite, (laughs) I'm telling you they do, and the problem with a Japanese beetle you're not going to see one, you're going to see a (laughs) 100,000, that's the problem.
2: Yeah, so true you know, there's um, a member of this garden Facebook page it's like for garden centers and um One of the things that they had mentioned was this little kid, or it was a, it was really cute. You get stories of what happens when people come into garden centers and things like that. And this kid came in, he was like eight years old. And he tells the salesperson, you have a lot of people here today. And then he goes, well, the eight year old, that's because old people like plants. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess anybody looks old if you're eight years old. (laughs) That's funny. And then somebody, uh. Posted on there, they were complaining that a, a lady planted, bought a mandevilla, planted it outside. And uh, about a week later, she wanted to bring it in, beca- bring it back because it had died. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the thing is, is this was in North Dakota. Yeah. And she took it outside and it froze. Oh, yeah. But they already had it because they, they're having their fluctuations of spring right now like we had in March. Yeah. Yeah, so I love hearing stories from everywhere and that's another reason jim's facebook page is good too because i mean i love the comments of people that aren't in the south to to just hear what's happening we're
0: trying now to get uh people to post their zone Mm -hmm. or their rough area because we knew we are having such a wide variety you know somebody posted a a picture uh, a week and a half ago beautiful um hydrangeas in full bloom And I thought, where in the world is she? And it was coastal Georgia. Yeah, Yeah, I saw that too, yeah. Well, also, if somebody starts complaining about rhubarb or something, you're like, you're not from around
2: here, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know?
3: (laughs) But I was talking to a customer, the last customer of the day yesterday, and and her and her husband had purchased this big three-gallon white-blooming mandevilla, okay, Mm -hmm. which is a tropical plant. And she said, oh, I, I just love the blooms on this thing. And I said, yeah, you know, they grow like a weed. They'll bloom their heads off. And I said, now come this winter, you know, it's going to die. And she gave me this look. <laughs> and she's like, oh, so this thing won't make it through mm-hmm. the winter? It's like, no, it's a tropical plant. And she had no idea. Uh-huh. And uh, But she's like, learn. yeah, and she's like, well, I, I still want it because right. she loved And I said, look. It will bloom basically every day for you until this winter. Now, you can dig it up, cut it back, put it in a pot, and take it inside if you want. Try to keep it alive right. through the winter if you want. But it's uh, to me, it's, it's worth it. I mean, the same reason we plant annuals, mm-hmm. you know, because they bloom every day until frost, more or less, is the same reason we plant tropicals, mm-hmm. because the tremendous amount of bloom that we get on beta. So, but she was like, I've already got a place to put this. I've got this, you know, this, this lattice work. And she was thinking this thing was going to be permanent. And I'm like, no, no. no." But she's like, you know what? In her mind, she didn't care because the beautiful blooms that were on it. And she knows she's going to get blooms basically every day.
2: Right. You know, you, a lot of times you can plant a summer bloomer and a fall bloomer and a tropical bloomer in the same area. And the vines will blend together, but then you'll see the blooming at different times.
3: You mean, so that way you'll have some of these other vines come back for you. Right, right. So
2: you might have the early bloom of the Carolina jasmine, and then the uh, mandevilla you can plant in the same area. I've, I've heard of that, but when you really think about it, I don't see how that would be possible. Well, I mean, if you've got got enough room
0: for them to grow and they're not too thick in there, you could do it. I've mixed vines for years. Um, Have you? I used to like to use a katsura vine, which are are sometimes called a magnolia vine. Mm -hmm. It's evergreen uh, or use the evergreen clematis and then interplant other clematis with it uh, so that all through the summer you're having purple or white flowers come out of it since... You know the Armandi, the the evergreen doesn't bloom but once. Right. So by they took a beating this winter, by the way, they did. Yeah. Lost mine. Um, So it uh, by mixing the vines like that, you have a color basically through the season. You know. Right. I have, I've That's... tried mo- putting things like uh, black-eyed Susan vine in mm-hmm. there, but they go so rampant. Mm-hmm. They I just like shade Lord everything. everything. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. Oh, that is a good mixture. I like that. The evergreen wisteria. Oh, no, the evergreen clematis. Yeah. The evergreen yeah. wisteria,
0: at least for me, has not been evergreen here mm-hmm. any year. That's what I was wondering. I think you got to get think... down around Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It loses its leaves, uh-huh. but it... It grows like mad. Mm-hmm. I had one. I, in fact, I still have it on my mailbox, uh, and it's the support for about ten varieties of clematis that come up through it. Uh, and I've got a um, mm-hmm. the golden poets jasmine mm-hmm. in there too. So you I've got some sturdiness in mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that vine to hold the really thin vines right. of the clematis. Ruggucy's in bloom right mm-hmm. now, and yeah. that's a little uh, blue bell shade. Yep. Yeah.
2: Clematis, yeah. people love that. So one. there's yeah. so there's
3: three things to think about when you when you're buying a vine. There's an annual vine, like you were just saying, Jim, the Black-eyed Susan vine, the Morning Glory, the Moonflower, those type of things. The beauty of a and and, 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 the, and the cypress vine. The beauty of a annual vine is they grow really fast, right? And you get tons of bloom, mm-hmm. but you've got to plant them every year, okay? Yeah. And then there's the tropical vine. Same thing. Typically, a very fast-growing vine. Tons of blooms on these mm-hmm. things basically every day, and you got to yeah. plant those every year. And then there's the hardy vines, evergreen clematis, clematis, mm-hmm. honeysuckle, on down mm-hmm. the line. The beauty of those is they come back every year. The drawback is they don't bloom every day yeah. like these other vines do. Right.
2: So if you do the evergreen clematis mixed with the regular clematis, that gives a great look. So I like that. Um, but you do. You really have to be cautious of which vines you put together. Yeah. Because, some of them
0: are so rampant.
2: Yeah. You know, I was,
0: planted um, uh, cypress vine year before. Which I love with those little red blooms yeah. and hummingbirds. And love I it had also. red, pink, and white. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Uh, and it took a, about 40 feet of fence. I mean, just filled that thing. Mm-hmm. Hummingbirds, you know, just in there all the time. Uh, and everybody said, oh, you're going to regret doing that because they're going to come up from seed yeah. next year. Did not get a single seedling mm-hmm. to come back. See, that,
2: that has been confusing to me as there well, because I've worked at one place where the, um, they, it receded like crazy. We just constantly pulled it out. But then when I've grown it and I've seen it grown in other places and nobody had problems with the receding of yeah. it. Well, mine it probably wouldn't.
0: Mine had soil there. Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't like it was falling in mulch yeah. or anything. So, well, it probably wouldn't really grossly overseed unless Mr. Paul gave it to nah. me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm That's still pulling works, northern cedar. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, y'all. We're gonna go to another break. Get your questions together. Call Philip and give him the question, or you can be on air or post it on Facebook Live. You're listening to KWM 990 AM News Talk. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Vada Vance with Palladio. She
3: is, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. He is, and I'm Jim Crowder.
2: <laughs> he is. <laughs> and who are y'all? Give us a call, 901 um, 260 Also, y'all, we have a podcast. So a lot of times we're talking in the store, and I mm-hmm. tell them about our show and tell them the time, and you can just tell us they're getting up that early no but they do go back and listen to the podcast yeah and and it's wonderful to be able to have that so everybody can listen no matter when
3: kwmradio.com and then if you want to shoot us a text uh the mighty 990 facebook page and we got uh jan Childress, she said good morning dirt buddies and good morning to you jan and jamie yes
2: i think they're traveling maybe back from florida now
3: Yeah, I saw some pictures. They were down there. I think Jan's sister lives down there. Some pictures of some beautiful, you know, to them, it's just regular plants. Yeah. To us, they're tropicals. Okay? Right,
2: right. Oh, I'm still amazed how the variegated schefflera is a shrub there. Mm-hmm. And um, all of our, you know, I'm the looking. The crotons are a shrub. Yes, the pothos ivy. You know, we're used to the little pothos ivy with the leaf three inches, four inches, you know. And the ones growing in Florida, the leaves are like a foot. Because they're in their native area. Um, you see like the Exora. That has Exora, beautiful that orange blooms on it that we get. Every year is a tropical, but it's a beautiful blooming you know, shrub I'll, everywhere. It's commercial property planter. I we,
0: wonder. I wonder. I wonder if people from Florida come up to Memphis and go. Well, they they wish mm-hmm. they could grow things like roses that really they need go, dormant yes, period. Yeah. You know, where we wish we could grow tropical hibiscus. The you know, it's right. that greener on the other side of the fence. Yeah,
2: thing. yeah. my sister that. missed the daffodils. They couldn't get the daffodils to come up in Florida.
0: Yeah. We had someone post a picture of their. 22-year-old Norfolk yeah, Island pine. I saw that. It had lost some, the lower had like two uh, rungs of the the, the long lower limbs, limbs, yeah. And she had repotted it and bare-rooted it. Mm-hmm. And you could see where it was started in like a five-inch pot because it was still curled yes. like that. 22 years old. Right. And you have to remember that that is a tree, okay? Mm-hmm. If, If it had been in the ground for 22 years where it lives, it would be 35 feet tall. Right. You know, they get to 200 feet tall. They're big trees. Um, and, And the question is, she's asking, is it going to make it, you know, in... I hate to tell her the truth. <laughs> yeah. So she took it and planted it in the ground? No, 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 no. She just it was going to repot it because she didn't think it was healthy. It had lost those. And it loses those lower limbs. You know, if you look at any tree uh, out in the woods, they drop most of the limbs from 10 or 15 mm-hmm. feet down. Yeah. Okay. and And they would have done that too, you know, had it been in the ground. But they just, through the years, they have just... Uh, their use is just uh, gone. Yeah, so you know she's. So wanting, what was she going to do, Jim? Was she going to put it in a bigger pot? She did. She's she's go- put it in a bigger in a <laughs> in mm. a bigger pot. Uh, and you know, in the her inner question is, is it going to make it? And and I think you know, bare rooting it like that, the chances of mm. it are not very good. Uh, you've lost pretty much all the hair roots. Yeah, and it's had a lot
2: of top foliage A lot to be able to recover And
0: without the hair roots It can't Mm -hmm. take in water And when it can't take in water It's going to wilt And she's going to give it more water Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. We've we've all been down that road
3: So what's it's
2: going to fall over in the pot Hopefully she's staking it Or not pushing the soil around it so tight It doesn't fall over
3: But let's just say (laughs) that she's done it And of course she has done it, correct? She has done it Uh, Put some super thrive on it You're right, you're reading my mind I think the best thing that she can do do is you know keep this thing moist not wet of course and start really pumping it with some stimulants and when i say a stimulant a root stimulant and whether that's you know liquid seaweed whether it's the root stimulator or whether it's something like super thrive uh, or or a combination of those things or alternating those things i think that's all she can do at this point to try her best to get this thing to make it
2: i I know that I would cut it way back. See that would see, but I'm not sure if that would make the Norfolk Norfolk Allen Pine recover. It wouldn't it way back.
0: It will resprout off the trunk. I have mm-hmm. done that, but it's. um I think in at 22 years in in this what it looked i'd buy another
2: one. yeah because they're not really mm-hmm. that expensive they're not you but they are
0: saplings that's what they are you know that's mm-hmm. true it should have grown through her ceiling several mm-hmm. times yeah. and they grow naturally on north fork island yeah. that's right you know
2: and oh. they're like what a hundred feet tall oh, yeah. some of them up to 200 yeah yeah, yeah. wow they're huge trees i know you w- people do ask <laughs> when they're getting a house indoor plant well how tall will this get and I'm like, oh well, that gets 75 feet tall. And then I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not what they're asking. And they're like, what? I can't have that indoors. Going, oh no, it does in its natural environment. But in your home, you re- it's regulated because it's not in its natural environment. Well, but these are literally vines, trees, and shrubs in warmer climates yeah. that we're we're growing a shrub indoors. We're right. growing a huge tree. That gets, a tree that gets really huge indoors.
3: Well, if you're disciplined, I mean, I know a customer that her and her husband had a ficus tree. Uh, And this is, I think they've had it for probably 45 years. And that is a long time to have any one house plant. But this ficus tree started out as a typical little ficus. You buy in a 3 gallon size container. Well, the last time I saw a picture of it, and this was last year, uh, it was in a custom-made planter. And this custom-made planter like a a small swimming pool. Mm -hmm. And they move it around on a forklift. You know, they'll bring it outside this barn and put it outside, you know, during the spring, summer, and fall. Then they take it back inside, of course, during the winter. Y'all, this thing is, it's it's 25, 30 foot tall and 20 foot wide. And it's stunted.
1: There you go, Jim. It (laughs) is stunted. It
3: should be twice that or more. But but it's amazing how... They have kept, you know, building these, these custom-made wooden planters to put this thing in. And she was telling me the last time I saw her, she said, you know, this thing's really becoming to be a burden now because it's gotten so big. She said, but I just can't let it that go. That would be so hard. Maybe you know,
2: maybe she should try and donate it like Botanic Gardens, That's exactly what zoo. I told her. That's what I told
3: her.
0: Well, yeah. even there, they would have trouble with something that large. It would. They, you know. A zoo does like to, you know, we'll take the houseplants if it, as long as they're not toxic to anything, uh, and put them into birdhouses and things because they tear them up so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm.
2: that would be sad. But at least it would be used again because I can imagine how hard it's going to be to get rid of a beautiful ficus yeah. tree that that's that large. Ficus trees <laughs> make me think they're like an oak tree to their native environment because there's so many varieties of ficus.
3: Oh, God. So
2: many. Well,
3: and this was the old Benjamina, which I don't know how they kept alive even for a week after they bought it, you know, because you know how they can be, how picky. And then
2: moving it around. Yeah, and this thing
3: is healthy as it can be. And then, you know, we've talked about different ficus trees. You know, the Fiddle Leaf fig is a big thing nowadays. And then the Audrey fig. Uh, Yeah, that one,
2: I like that
3: one. I like the Audrey, I think, better than any of them because they're actually a little more forgiving than all the other ones.
2: Much more. That is so true. But all in all, they they none of them were as difficult as people lead them led, led on to be. They're True. not that hard to do indoors, just unless you've got them back in a dark corner. But then I see them still making it, but very sparse in leaves. But you know that
3: you the old saying used to be on a ficus benjamina. You know if you look at it wrong some are going We get back at you By dropping all of its leaves Right mm-hmm.
2: Well you know May is so relaxing Said no garden center Employee ever <laughs> We'll be right back
1: The garden help you need Now Mid-South Gardening
0: On the Mighty 990 Powered by Palladio Home and Garden With your hosts Veda Vance Kenneth Mabry And Jim Crowder
2: Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to the second hour of Mid-South Gardening. It's the second hour of three hours. Y'all can find us on podcast if you missed anything. You can download the Mighty 990 app to stream us online if we're going in and out on the radio.
3: And if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And like Veda said, you can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page. And good morning to you, Miss Veda and Jim once again. Kind of a uh, recap of what we're talking about is when Jim, when we first came on the air this morning, Jim mentioned the fact that we are in a drought. Yep. And you're looking at the map all ago, Jim, and you're seeing a little bit of rain showers around us. Popping up south in North Mississippi. we got quite and, a few. Years. And Audrey mm-hmm. said that she had a little rain going on down in Bahia, which is not far from us at all. So hopefully we will get a little bit of rain Today, but if not, guys, be aware. uh, Especially these plants, these newly planted shrubs and so forth. uh, We got to keep these things hydrated. And I'm telling you, we know, and I get it. You know, we have irrigation systems. A lot of people do, and we rely on that irrigation system to water everything perfectly the way it, (laughs) the way it should, right in our minds. But a lot of times, that's not the case. If if they've came out, have come out already, and got your irrigation system going, you got to take your time. And make sure those zones are, are hitting everything like they should. Make sure that they're you know they're timed the way they should be. You know because we all know that too much water is just as bad as not enough water. Uh, so just be aware. Watering sounds like an easy thing to do, but it can be very complex. I'm telling you.
0: And if you've got new plants, your watering system will not take mm-hmm. care of them. It will not give them enough water to survive.
3: All right. Think about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because that's something I ask all the time. Every time when. Customers are leaving with plants are, or is, you know, what is your watering situation going to be? And I would say nine times out of 10, they're like, I'm glad you told me that. I would not have thought about the fact of my irrigation system not going deep enough. Nope. Or these plants needing water sooner than my established plants. Yep. So yes, y'all, very good advice on and that. Because that.
3: that irrigation, you know, you would drench that soil maybe an inch or two, okay? Mm-hmm. But- That's not enough on a newly planted shrub, especially when it starts to get to be 100 degrees in the shade this summer. you got to go out there and supplement that irrigation with the water hose and soak these things at least once or twice a week, depending on the weather we have.
2: Yeah, well, I'd just refresh the um, weather app and... Yesterday, I saw where it was getting close to 90 coming up, but now it's only close to 85. Oh. Which one do I believe?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> it's believe It's going to the... be
2: either or.
3: <laughs> but think about it. This weather's been beautiful. I mean, here it is almost the end of May. We're almost into June, mm-hmm. and we've had some cooler weathers. And even at night, you can go outside, and you're not just burning yeah. up yet. Humidity levels have been low, and that's really the key. Right,
2: yeah. I'm pretty, I'm good with this because I'm like, well, it's going to be 65 in the morning, and it might get up to 85 for a little bit at 2 that. o'clock. I'm loving this. I really do like this weather. But, of course, we know in Memphis it's going to change some, and um, that's okay. Yeah, we'll because pay- then if we didn't have our Memphis weather, there's a lot of plants we couldn't be enjoying there's, right now. Yeah,
3: we'll pay for this later. You know we will.
2: And there's so many flowers and so many new things to choose from. That I can't even make up my mind on what I want to plant to um, to plant together, but I've seen you know really pretty combination. Um, I think and it's it's very hardy combination is like the Russian sage,
3: <laughs> tough
2: yarrow. I'm seeing yarrow everywhere. Tough. Beautiful, looks beautiful. <coughs> Coryopsis and cone flower. Those, that's a really nice co- uh, combination for sun. Yeah, you know, so somebody what, asked, That's the low maintenance garden the right low, there. Yeah, yeah. Somebody says, "I have a, I need a plant for, for hot sun." And I want to say, is there any other kind of sun? <laughs> <laughs> but I think there really are spaces that would be considered just hot, hot, burning sun. You know, like where you want to have lantanas and cone flowers. Because possibly there's a lot of reflection off walls or or I would say a mailbox planting is hot, hot sun because you've got the driveway and you've got the street and then you've got what you uh, surrounded the bed with. That that would be hot, hot sun. Oh, yeah.
3: And we see it. And then plus some people try to push the margins, if you will. Uh, And you can go to Jim's Facebook page and look in the file section. For example, let's say Caladiums. Well, we all know that caladiums typically grow in a more shaded environment, okay? But we also know that there are some that can tolerate more sun. So when people hear that, they want to put these ones that can tolerate more sun, let's say Miss Muffet or Aaron or some of those other ones, they want to put them in full blazing afternoon sun. Now, there again, you can get away with it, but I'm not saying that's still going to be the best place to put it. Kind of like sun hostas. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, there's no such thing as a sun hosta. Hostas, typically, they're, again, growing the shade, okay, or a, a, something to do with shade. But we all know that there are some hostas that can tolerate more sun, Jim. Do you agreed that you would want to put some of these sun-tolerant hostas in full blazing afternoon sun and not expect some burn is my point
0: yeah they're going to look good through june probably right and then they're going to start suffering i mean even the most sun-tolerant hostas are going to cook by the end of the summer yeah. they're just they're not going to look as pretty and we see the same thing a lot of times with even some of the japanese maples
3: you know they want to put them out there in full sun. That's fine. They'll grow there, kind of like the hostas and kind of like get, some of the cladiums. Get their best color there. But but you are going to get some summer burn, especially Maybe. if it's those lace leaf varieties. You're going to get that burn around the edge. And people, you know, they, well, they say, well, I heard that you can plant these in full sun.
2: Well, you can. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that's the best place for them, you know? Yeah. Well, we call full sun can be not less than six hours. Yeah. But well, some people consider six hours or more full sun. I don't know. I guess full hot sun could be where it's getting sun from morning till dusk. Yeah. You know, but you can get away with things blooming in just six hours. Well, of sun.
3: course you can. And we do it all the time. We're always pushing the envelope. But it made yeah. me think, Vada, when you mentioned some of these plants that are extremely heat and drought tolerant, Yeah, you know, that you mentioned a while ago, those you can put out there right. where it's blazing hot, oh, you know?
2: Yeah, and then do do succulents or sedums, like the autumn joy sedum, the <clears throat> cruchosmia. No, that's that's not the one I'm thinking of. The ice plant. Hell yeah. Yeah, kuperai. Delosperma. Del yeah, delosperma yeah. kuperai, I think. Yeah, that one is a great one to, to put out there. And oh, this autumn joy sedum. Oh, Because yeah. it doesn't want a lot of water or it falls over in the middle.
0: My favorite sedum is Elecumbianum. Say that again. Elecumbianum. Is that sounds
3: like I'm a like, which <laughs> one I, is that? Don't even say a, what
2: that a, sounds it's like. It's a
0: dark green, has a mm-hmm. beautiful yellow flower when it's in bloom. Yeah, uh, but year round, it's to me, it's just the most attractive foliage uh, this, that, that you can have. Oh, Rows,
2: I think that maybe the one that I have that I've been trying to find the proper name for it. I'll let I'll give you a picture to see yes, if that's it, but it's amazing. The sedum was amazing. But uh, yeah, definitely use some sedums and, um, well, oh, Gallardia. Mm. Galardia is great. That doesn't, that Goblin needs plant. drainage. Yeah, but it's so gorgeous. Perennials are really showing out. They're starting to show out now. flowers are getting bigger, looking better and all. But we're going to go to a break and we've got Lynn that's called from Memphis. See what her questions are. But let's run to a break and we'll go to Lynn after the break. You're listening to KWAM 990 AM. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Not to brag or anything, but I can multitask. I can actually forget what I'm doing when I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. I don't know if I would brag about that. I Ms. know, though.
2: right? Let's go to Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for the call. Yes. Hello. You there? I
0: have a I have a turkey vine. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. A chocolate vine. It grows about.
1: 20 feet a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it
0: got involved in my Isaiahs,
4: Oh my boxwood, mm-hmm. and how can I get rid of it?
2: Oh, man. We worked in a yard one yeah. time that the Akevia vine took just forever. We constantly, constantly pulled it, yeah. tried to find the base of it, brushed Roundup on it. It's um becomes a feat. It's yeah, like, it's un- like you have to get a hold That's of I it. What I call
0: little leaf kudzu. Yeah, yeah. little leaf
2: kudzu. You, <laughs> I love that though. Yeah, I'm- you have to just go find the base. We would get down and find the base of it and try to uproot it and pull it out.
3: Yeah, because Lynn, there's uh, there's not a product out there that you can spray in there to kill the akibia and not harm everything else that you're
0: you know that the akibia is growing on. What you can do though is if you can pull some of it out. And mix you up a, a bucket of Roundup, right? And then stick it down in there, and just let it soak. Cover it with some saran wrap, keep birds out of it, and uh, let it just and just let it draw soak, it up. And it'll draw up that Roundup and likely get it most of it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. I
3: mean, and the only other way, it, Lynn, is like they just said, is go in there and cut it way back at ground level. And then, you know, paint a either a brush killer or paint some Roundup, you know, on that at ground level. Because you can't go in there and just spray it randomly and kill the Akibia and not hurt your boxwoods and everything else.
0: But you're not likely to get enough chemical on the cut trunk to kill it in one shot. That's
3: true. It's going to re-sprout and then you're going to have to do it again. But I like the idea, like what Jim said, is going in there and make a solution of a Roundup-type product. Uh, and just get that vine, pull it, and s- push it down in there. Put a yep. brick on it, uh-huh. and just uh-huh. let it soak it up. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm saying, like, take it, follow it down to the ground to where it's rooted in, and you can pop. Sometimes dig it up. yeah, dig it up that way. But yeah, I think you do need to keep a lot of foliage to put it in the roundup. Does that make sense, Lynn? Yes, but on
0: the ground, that stuff looked like a cobweb. I mean,
1: it's everywhere. Now, you can go
3: in there and just, you know, spot treat with Roundup. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It only kills what it comes in contact with. It doesn't leach and kill everything around it. So if you can keep it off your desirable plants, the boxwoods and the azaleas. Now, keep in mind, boxwoods are very shallow-rooted, and so are azaleas. So you can't overspray. But if you can just get in there and lightly spray the foliage of that Akebia without saturating the ground with this product— uh, you can at least get a head start on this thing, and and you know, th- through the process, eventually you'll get
0: it. If there's nothing else in there, just get you a paint roller and just yeah. take it and roll right over it was, with Roundup. Yeah.
5: Thank you. All, All right. right, thank Thanks, you for Lynn. calling. It's
2: like, oh, there has to be a better way. There's not,
3: and there's not. I mean, but I, I mean, a kibia, a chocolate vine. Uh, I love the way, in, and as Jim says, little leaf kudzu. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a really pretty vine, even when it's not blooming. And to believe me, the blooms are almost inconspicuous anyway. But it is one of those vines that you do have to keep it confined. Yeah. I mean, you want to keep it right. where you want it.
2: You know, that's one, one of the hard things about being choosy on plants that you choose to have in stock because the uh, kibia vines asked for a, a lot, but I, I'm actually just not selling it because I don't want it to invade people's yards. Yeah, the, but, but then the, when you explain it, they're they're happy for it. But what if you don't, you know, actually get to explain it? Or like Italian cypress. Yeah, I have a lot of people asking for those, but I don't feel as reliable as as other Mm-mm. evergreens. It, it can gets be.
0: ceridium canker too, just like uh, the Leland cypress. Yeah. Do, so yeah.
3: I and I like the idea of a
0: paint roller, Jim. I've never heard of mm-hmm. that before.
3: With yep. uh, with Roundup, you're not spraying anything. You're just rolling it right yep. on that right. foliage. You
0: know, and like in tight places, you can get those little four-inch rollers or a three-inch roller and just, you know, don't push it fast. Yeah. you because know, So it doesn't throw up any uh, any mist or anything, but just take it and just roll it in there and it works really well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because when he said it looks like spiderwebs on the ground, I just envisioned what that looked like. And I was like, what could you use? <laughs> but, A paint roller. But, but yeah. we
3: all know that something like Roundup, you know, technically it only kills what it comes in contact with. And it's, you know, it works through foliar absorption. And we know it doesn't leach through the soil and move around and kill everything around it. But with boxwoods, they're, again, being so shallow-rooted, those roots are basically right there at ground level. Right. And so are azaleas. So you've got to be extremely careful If you use using even something like Roundup around those type of desirable plants, okay? Uh, Because people in their mind think, okay, I can go out there and just spray the crap out of this Akebia to kill it. And I know I'm not going to spray it on my boxwood or on my Isaiah, so I'm okay. That's not always the case.
2: Yeah, because I think, okay, the vine's not to plant. Okay, I'm definitely saying Akebia um the wisteria you have to be careful choosing which one on that um like the amethyst falls that yeah. blooms later that's not as invasive as just
0: you know, the ones that we consider the kentucky uh wisterias they're native american ones they're not near as aggressive as the Ch- uh, says and the chinese varieties right, chinese and japanese that uh, that you know, have escaped into the wild. In fact, one right.
3: thing that I wrote down today was uh, wisteria won't bloom. Mm. What do we do? Uh, but,
2: um, but I wanted to add one more vine to not to plant, or you need to choose your variety. Would be honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. We're not going to plant the old native one because you see how that takes over. Well, unless and that's beautiful. Well, <laughs> the,
0: the one you see in the wild is not native.
2: That's yeah. You said that last time, right, Yeah,
0: right. The native one is like um uh wheeler um, major wheeler major wheeler yeah mm-hmm. and those are native honey that
2: one's not as invasive though Mm-mm. is it no. no okay so no and major. it gets big i've mm-hmm. got
0: it growing up in fact it's almost up to the bat house that i've got mounted on a 15 foot pole yeah mm-hmm. and you know it's covered the fence and now it's going up
3: the, right. the pole
2: but it's so. not like the other honeysuckle that can grow Miles, yeah, I'm with (laughs) Veda. When when
3: when you say native honeysuckle, it makes me think of just the honeysuckle we see out there taking over trees and everything else. Now I love that honeysuckle Mm -hmm. because it smells wonderful when it's blooming. But if it gets away from you, then you got a small problem. You know what?
2: What what do you call a plant that actually didn't originate here, but it's turned into invasive 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 plant? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, do we call honeysuckle really invasive? Yes. Yeah. If you've
0: got the honeysuckle, yeah, it's, con- it's considered an invasive species. Yeah. And, see, so, and so many plants that we still use here mm-hmm. uh, are in different parts of the country. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, that's
2: we, why it's always so hard for me to carry or sell right. honeysuckle, is because I feel. Mm -mm. If you're in a zero lot line or a small yard, then I don't want them to have that issue.
3: Keep it confined. I mean, look, we used to sell privet every day, all day. Now, of course, privet, you can't buy it in the state of Tennessee anymore because it's considered an invasive species, right? But uh, speaking of wisteria, you mentioned amethyst falls. And Jim, that's the American variety, which I wouldn't plant wisteria unless it was amethyst falls, you know.
0: And there's, a, there's a, a white version, was it uh, Miss D or something like that? But if you uh, do... Uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. There but are some it, other colors, but they are uh, much less aggressive. But if you do have wisteria and they're
3: not blooming, mm-hmm. we know you can go out there and do some root pruning, right? Go out, uh, you know, around the trunk, maybe two or three feet, if that much, and just get your shovel and just just you're you're making the root system smaller so if you threaten the wisteria by doing that a lot of times it will force it to bloom Mm -hmm. of course you can always add some phosphate uh, you know to try to shock it to bloom that middle number uh that you buy in uh in a fertilizer and then of course we also know that a lot of times it's a lack of sunlight invaded we've all seen where you've got wisteria growing up through a tree it's pushing out on the
0: outside of the tree and that's where you see the blooms right. you know because that's where it's getting the sunlight and that's what vines do you know vines come up under stuff okay they climb up through it grow across the top of it in full sun and that's that's where you get your flowers and until they get to that place they're not going to bloom and what did you say jim a year or so maybe two years ago last year that
3: when you when you're cutting a pruning wisteria, not the root pruning, but if you're just pruning wisteria, because you can do it twice a year, were you saying to cut the lateral uh,
0: runners, or was that a thing? Or you? Well, yeah, if you're wanting to keep it more tree form, yeah, then yes, you want to do that. Uh, cut cut those when you get one of those six foot shoots. You know, remove about four feet of it. Okay, uh, and that's where you should get your flower for next year. Um, and it's, uh, it's a little work to make a tree form, but it's doable. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I had a um, relative that had a tree form wisteria in their yard. And that's the first time I'd ever seen it like that. And I thought, now that's a great idea. Because that way, uh, it, had, it was on a pole, and it had wound around the pole and grown where it almost looks like a trunk. Right. Yeah, it almost looks like a trunk. And then, of course, left it free form at the top, bloomed mm-hmm. every spring, and then throughout the summer, you— carry your pruners with you and if you're mowing the yard you know you go by and clip well if you're mowing the yard if you're walking through your yard (laughs) and just go by and take a cut a couple of clippings off of it but it wasn't invasive that way because you were tending to it all the time
3: and think how many things that we do tree form now i mean the tree formed let's say hydrangeas yeah you know like the you know pinky winky and the phantom and the uh, limelight's they are absolutely beautiful tree-formed. Look at some of the knockout roses, Veda, that are tree-formed. Uh, e- even people in their own landscape, if you've got a holly out there, a lot of times yeah. you see hollies that have been tree-formed. So it, it to me, it's a different look depending on where it is, but I love some of these tree-formed plants that are in our landscape.
2: Yeah, that gives you more room to plant <laughs> <guess> things. Under <laughs> <it. Yep>. <laughs> right right <laughs> under it. Yep, Right, right under it gives you more room. I like that idea. You know, I've worked in doing designs for people and they wanted more <clears throat> plants and other smaller areas. And that's what we did. Look, checked out the holly. It had a pretty decent chunk. So we Cut just, that thing yeah, up, tree yeah, form skinned it. it up. Yeah. And there was a tree form. And like, if you're wanting a tree that gets only eight feet tall, then that would be a shrub that you tree form. Say that again. If you wanted oh, gotcha. a tree, yeah. you know, cause, uh, Maybe a weeping Japanese maple. I mean, they're 8 to 10 feet. so that. But that doesn't fit every place. Or maybe not the tree that you're looking for. So shrubs, like the fotinias, were gorgeous tree form. And we're but, seeing them this year eat up
0: with leaf spot already.
3: Because they were well, the so fotinias, stressed from the mm-hmm. winter. With that endosporium leaf spot. Yeah.
2: Yep. I saw a picture.
3: Like the winter damage wasn't bad enough. Now right. you've got endosporium leaf spot just making nope. every leaf drop off. All
2: right, we're going to head to a break. Give us a call, 901 260 Gardeners and welcome to Mid South Gardening. You can call us at 901 260 59 or you can do like our caller. No, like, yeah, what? Tell you, me the question. I am, but you're
3: cracking me up. You said 901 260
2: 59 Oh, and but then, then the I said two six. you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I left it out. do I love you. 901 260 5926. And then you can shoot us a text on the Mighty990 Facebook page like Mrs. Jane Overcash did. She said, my dear friend has a gorgeous garden that she is preparing for her daughter's wedding reception, right? But her roses keep getting black spot. She has dozens of roses, and she's used things like Cornell spray, neem oil, insecticidal soap, et cetera. Uh, What should she do? Well,
2: first, I would say, like, you should analyze your environment because we may could give you a lot of advice on what to do to get rid of the black spot. But all of a sudden... We find out after all this that your the roses are planted too close together, or there's no air circulation, or there's not enough sun. Mm. So if you're or
3: overhead irrigation, yeah.
2: So if you're um, you know good with getting the proper amount of sun, if you're good with them able to have airflow and all, and you're getting the black spot, then you just pull the roses up and forget about. No, those. you <laughs> don't do that. But <laughs> okay, you're right so though, Beta. Now. You're right.
3: You want to you know adequate sunlight. You do want mm-hmm. good air circulation out there. You really don't want overhead irrigation. Yeah. You want to make sure the pH is up where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Feed them once a month. I mean, so you want to do all the little things to right. get them as healthy as you possibly can. Yeah,
2: But then, therefore, now that we're in this position. Yeah, and
3: then because sometimes of weather conditions and even sometimes the variety of the roses. Or she
2: could have done everything perfect, but it's just the nature yeah, of the beast uh, in You can area. get
3: black spot. And, of course, we all know that black in spot. In Memphis, yeah. particularly. Yeah. Black spot is very common <laughs> on a lot of these roses. What I would say, and y'all back me up on this, is first of all I'd go out there and try to handpick every leaf that has black spot.
0: Get <laughs> them all eight hundred of your Jim. Roses. I don't care. Try
3: to get them off the rose. Get a blower, blow them off yeah. the rose, blow them out Ooh. of the bed. No, 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 no. Don't blow the spores yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't blow. Don't use a blower blower
3: but and it's so much easier that way
2: i know aren't you just trying to find a reason to use that new blower but you can use the <laughs> blower
0: just for that occasion is
2: my yeah.
3: point <laughs> you will stir up any mites that are there to be careful but try to clean the roses first pick off as many infected leaves as you can and then rake up and get off uh the roses the rose leaves that have black spot that have hit the ground that's number one and then Jim we all we know that you have to go in there and start doing some spraying. And she mentioned some sprays that they had used, but I would use a like a systemic uh, fungicide, fungicide like, like propiconazole. Yeah.
0: That's what the National Rose Society recommends for black spot control. And that is under the name of Fertilome
3: systemic fungicide. Yeah, uh, and start spraying these things the ground and the roses with that product. Uh, initially I'd spray two or three times, about five days apart, you know, and then I would go in there and spray, uh, you know, about every two to three weeks or as needed. But I'm, I'm like you, I would use
0: a true systemic fungicide. And spraying the ground is critical because yep. the spores are everywhere. Yep. They're not just on your rows. Okay. <laughs> They're on hollies nearby. Okay. They're the spores are everywhere. So you want to make sure that you spray thoroughly. Uh, in the area to try to keep them under control. So, Jane, I I think, you know, and of course, you know, we can control
3: black spot. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But number one, you definitely want to use a product uh, that is going to do the job. And the liquid systemic fungicide is going to be uh, one of the better ones to use. Back in the day, Jim, a lot of the Rosarians would spray uh, like yeah, which was a real thick, Uh, fungicide, and they would use that as a curative and then come back and use the propiconazole as a preventative, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I don't even know if you can even get Mancozeb anymore, honestly. So by default, the liquid systemic fungicide, Jane, is the way to go. Yeah,
0: and Black Spot has to be on roses for about eight hours, eight to ten hours with wet foliage. So try not to water after three o'clock in the evening. Not even spray the roses after three o'clock in the evening. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, try to do it in the morning and try to keep them just as dry as possible. Good information there, guys. So,
2: you know, when we were doing selling the soil soup, we had a lot of people that grew roses and they they promised, they sweared that um, the spraying, mycorrhiza yeah, or the fungal activity yeah, that was in
0: the soil soup would inhibit a lot of, right of the problems. black spot yeah, or they, slow it eat, down. They would eat the spores. Yeah, you know, the microbes when (laughs) I actually eat them, so.
2: Yeah, so also, in addition, and you would have to do it a separate time, though, because you wouldn't want to kill the life of the organic spray that you're putting on the plant. Say that again. Yeah, I'm thinking don't spray your... Um, soil soup. We're call, what do we call? If you can get it Farm? anymore. Yeah. So, so you know, some of the Fox Farm products are very similar to the well, the soil Garrett soup. Juice
3: and the Big Bloom yeah, are, would be close to the old to fashioned soil soup. So, you're so right. So do
2: some spraying of that because you know you're going to want to fertilize to help the rose recover. So spray the soil, spray some of the foliage, do a little bit, of, go a little bit extra.
3: Well, we that know that. that mean, certain plants are certain to. Uh, are susceptible to certain diseases there's no doubt about it uh, and one of the things you know, i wrote down in my notes today is a lady brought me a sample of a uh some box uh, of no, some dogwood leaves and they looked like they had snow on them i mean powdery mildew had tore this thing up and i'm not saying that every dogwood out there is going to get powdery mildew but we know that we see powdery mildew on dogwoods depending on the weather same thing with roses. Depending on the rose, if you get hybrid tea roses, you can expect to see some black spot. So you're exactly right, Veda, talking about keeping them as healthy as you possibly can while it goes. So right. you know, there's things we can do. Thank yep. goodness.
2: Yeah. Mm. So there are great foliar fertilizers as long as they're mm. the natural. You're not going to be able to spray like Miracle Grow and expect that to to help inhibit. inhibit. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not going to work very well. Um, let's go to Dale. Good morning, Dale. Calling from Memphis. You're in the garden. Thank you. I really enjoy your show. Thanks, I have Dale. questions. Uh-huh. Um, my first question is I have a lot of little crepe myrtle sprouts popping up, mm-hmm. and I try to dig, and it's just almost impossible to get them out. What do you recommend? Man, it is impossible. Sucker
0: punch. <laughs> I
2: sprayed oh, some yes, yesterday. Say, said,
0: who have <laughs> you been sucker punching?
3: Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Product put out by... Um, uh, bonide, uh that is a, a growth inhibitor. Uh and it, it'll take stop water sprouts, it'll stop uh sprigs, but I mean, all you do is cut it off and then spray it. And mm-hmm. usually you'll get six months control or so out of it. Great. Right. And, and mm-hmm. are we now, saying
3: now are we it s- ain't cheap. Uh-huh. No, it's not.
2: Yeah. But, but it comes in a ready see- to use. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you can mm-hmm. get I've got a I bought the ready to use, and then I got a bottle of concentrate. Yeah. I did have to get that online; I couldn't find it anywhere. And local.
3: Dale, and what are we saying? We're saying crape myrtles that are coming up from the base of a crape myrtle—just you know, these sprouts that you get around the trunk of an established crape myrtle. Yes,
2: but it, but it's gone now. The crape mm-hmm. myrtle—we actually cut it down, but it still yeah. is sprouting. I do. Okay, remember. Now, yeah. you want
0: to get rid of it then? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. Then okay,
0: let those sprouts get on up 12, 15 inches tall. And then mm-hmm. spray them with a combination of Roundup, uh, glyphosate, and, and triclopyr. Which is a brush killer. Which is a brush killer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you may have to do it again. Okay. Because the more foliage you had, I mean, if you, you could spray the whole plant when it was there, it would kill it immediately. Okay. But mm-hmm. because you've got a massive root system still and very little mm-hmm. foliage, you're, you'll be able to eventually kill it, but it may re-sprout on you once, maybe even twice. And Jim, do you like to mix the brush killer and the
3: Roundup, or do I you do. alternate the two?
0: I mix them. Mix them together.
3: It doesn't start steaming, and it doesn't start foaming up, and you don't see a lot of smoke coming out of that mix? Nah, it's fine.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, Dale, uh, yeah, just going out there, selectively spot-treating Uh, those Mm -hmm. sprouts and like jim said what he uses is a combination of roundup
0: and a brush killer if you're trying to kill it now you know if you not don't want to kill your crepe myrtle then sucker punch is is a good alternative that just keeps it from resprouting right but eventually Mm
3: -hmm. it will Mm -hmm. but we all know that when you cut a crepe myrtle down that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that's the end of that crepe myrtle
2: yeah (laughs) yeah we're experiencing that in numerous places in the garden center it's just, we're just pulling them when we see them come up because at this point in time i can't wait for them to get tall and then use a brush killer to kill them down yeah and i'm with yeah.
3: dale they i had a my neighbor cut a crape myrtle down on her side of the fence and of course the root system came over onto my side it's been there mm-hmm. forever and dale i started getting sprouts everywhere in my backyard mm-hmm. close to where they cut that crape myrtle down and I'm with Jim. Uh, you know, I didn't. I don't think I mixed the two together. But I would alternate between Roundup one week and then a brush killer two weeks later. Uh, and it took me two or three applications, but I finally, finally got those things killed.
2: <clears throat> great, great. Thanks. Uh, all right. Thanks, Dell, for the question. And good luck with that. Hope you get a, your crepe myrtles to stop what they're doing.
3: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's amazing. That, and it can take years. If you don't do anything about it, they will keep coming Whether well, I guess they'll keep coming up forever. But I know they'll <laughs> keep coming up for years. And, I mean, the trunk is gone. The trunk had been ground out. Okay? So the only thing left down there were some roots. And that, and they kept re-sprouting for years before we went mm-hmm. out there and actually did something about it.
2: All right, we're going to head to a break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Glad you can be with us this morning.
3: Yep, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, like Dale called a while ago, mm-hmm. 901-260-5926. And, of course, shoot us a text, On the Mighty 990 Facebook page, like Jane just texted back and said, could you please spell out the name of the fungicide for the roses, Jim? It's Propiconazole. It's P-R-O-P. Hang on, let me write this down. I'm going to double I'm going to spell check this. P-R-O-P. I-C-O-N. I-C-O-N. A-Z-O-L-E. Good Lord Almighty. Propiconazole. And that is under the name of Fertilone Systemic. Liquid systemic fungicide, right. but that's propiconazole what, for, for
0: homeowners. That's what you're going to be able to find.
3: So, P R O P I C O N A Z O L E, propiconazole. Yes. propiconazole.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, John Deere has uh come out with a tractor or um software program called uh C and spray. No, no, see and spray a tractor. Okay, but it, it's what it is. Is uh conglomeration of cameras at different angles Mm -hmm. and as the tractor is going you know through the fields these cameras are taking pictures and analyzing the data and when they see a weed they they, it shoots it just the weed so so you know this is going to save on on weed killer and
3: having these huge booms and just spraying everything down and spot treating the weeds yeah
2: yeah by way of cameras and then they also have a technology where when um, tractors are, their machines are planting seed, it's got, it puts down fertilizer like in a straight row and then the seeds are going in spaced out. Well, now the technology is the uh, the fertilizer is shot into the section where the seeds Just go. Just where the seed is so going. it's saving the in-between spots by not putting fertilizer there. So it's reducing runoff and reducing the use and the amount of fertilization. Well, think
3: about these tractors nowadays. I mean, they're GPS, Mm -hmm. they're air conditioned. They probably got the best stereo systems in the world in these things. I mean, they're like, you know, the finest of cars you could ever Mm -hmm. buy. And you're sitting in a dang tractor. Yeah. But thank God, you know, hey, hands off to the farmers. You know, they're not sitting out there without a Without the air conditioned gym, without the stereo system, without the GPS. I mean, these things are so modern now, it's amazing.
0: It's like mm-hmm. flying a jet. You right. know, I, I saw a car commercial just yesterday. I don't remember the brand, but it has hands-free driving. Right.
2: What the fun? There's no fun in that. (laughs) I know. That's what I'm saying. I drive
0: because I
3: enjoy (laughs) Uh driving. Yeah. Well, but don't you also, when you're driving, let's say through Arkansas or some of these rural areas and you see these beautiful straight rows of Milo or corn or beans or whatever, you're thinking, there's no way in the world somebody just drove a tractor that straight. It's that GPS that's doing it Mm -hmm. for them.
2: Right.
0: So... Hands off, Jim, might be a thing to think about. I'm not sitting in the front seat of a car without my hands on that <laughs> wheel.
2: What do you do? I guess you read. Well, this we'll one guy phone. was slapping
0: his hands, and he and yeah. his wife were oh, yeah.
2: making music. The we Will Rock You or yeah. something. Yeah. I've seen that one. I'm like, oh, this is that's fun
3: hey it's coming guys i'm telling you
2: you look like you're five years old on a bike holding your hands up look mom no hands well you know where that got you eventually
3: all right what about the (laughs) flying car are we going to jump in one of those that's coming that's the next thing coming up yeah i'm with jim (laughs) i want my hands on the wheel hey 10-2 okay that's the fun of
2: it and i want to shift gears too that's right (laughs) right okay let's go to bob calling from midtown good morning bob you're in the mid-south garden
6: Good morning. Uh, I have a question about a raspberry plant. A um. neighbor gave me, a, it was a small plant uh, this past fall. It was maybe, it was in one of those little uh, starter pots you get that disintegrate when you plant it. Mm-hmm. It's five and a half feet tall right now, the main shoot, <laughs> And there's little bitty shoots all around the base of it. Do I need to – I've got some uh, wood stakes around it to kind of support it from the wind and all. Uh, Is there anything else I need to be on the watch for or what to do?
0: No, the only thing you want to watch is raspberries are notorious about getting leaf diseases. Leaf. Yeah, so – and you know, what we always for years used were fixed metal fungicides like mancozeb and that. Maybe uh, copper. Yeah. So copper now would probably be your best bet. Liquid copper. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just keep uh, an eye on it.
6: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the main shoot that's that tall. It's over five feet tall. All the leaves, I mean, it is green. It is the prettiest green mm-hmm. color that I've seen on a plant. Well, that's great.
3: And Jim, and when those... Go ahead, Bob. I haven't,
6: seen, I haven't seen any bugs. The leaves look real... It looks healthy-looking. Yeah.
3: With those sprouts, Jim, at the bottom, uh, will they catch up to that five-foot leader, you know, eventually?
0: Uh, probably not this year. Probably next year before he's going to get half a dozen or so to where he mm. can actually have some fruit. Okay. Yeah, that was my
6: question. Yeah, well, my neighbor told me, uh, he and his wife, they, uh, on the second year, they started getting raspberries. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, Well, I'll keep a watch out for any leaf problems on
1: it. Yeah, and
3: then, like I said, if you do see some fungal problems, uh, Bob, on that raspberry, then something like liquid copper. Now, another thing they can get are spider mites. Uh, Uh, So just be on the lookout. I'm not saying you'll ever get spider mites on there, but, uh, you know, especially raspberries that are stressed, uh, especially if they stay way too dry. Too dry, and you'll
0: get spider mites, really.
6: Well, I've got it planted Uh, Not too close to the – it's in the rear of the house. It gets full morning sun and a little bit of afternoon sun.
3: Yeah, it needs at least half a day sun, yes, sir. So that should Uh, be fine, Bob.
6: Okay, all right. Well, thank you a lot. Thanks for calling, Bob. Bye-bye.
3: Thanks for the question.
2: You know, I was watching a bumblebee yesterday, and it was around a million-bell hanging basket.
3: Which is calicabroca yeah. or like which I say calabrosia. And I
2: say calabricoa yeah. and there's so many but the bumblebee would go into the flower, like investigate, back out, and then go to the area that where the flower meets the septic, sepal or the the, the green part. Mm-hmm. And he would start it looked like drinking nectar mm-hmm. out of that. So it would go to the next mm-hmm. flower. It seemed like he was investigating, back out of the flower. And then fly to the part where the flower flower connects to the green part. And he just kept doing that with each flower. I know what they're doing. You know? I guess it was going for the nectar, the energy, but not because there was no pollen. Because you're going into the million bell, coming out, no pollen. And then by passing the whole flower and then, you know, just up under there, getting, drinking, I'm guessing. But he did it over and over on each flower. And I thought, wait, that's bizarre.
3: But I love the idea that you had uh, just a second to stop mm-hmm. and
2: take a peek, yeah. you know? I couldn't help but wonder what was going on. So that was really interesting, but I haven't researched to find out why. Was it just a million bells? Is there some sweetness? Are they yeah, going I'm for sure energy?
0: Going after nectar inside there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the ants on the pennies, right? Yeah. Just, you know, or oh, the peonies. And, and I mentioned last week, and I forget, it was a. Uh, a type of enothera on, uh, that grows on the beach, and I can't remember the species now, but when a bumblebee goes in there, it senses that and releases sweeter nectar than it would normally produce. So maybe that's what it's doing. That's he's, what. And, well, yeah, and he probably can't get to it. The flower's so small mm-hmm. that he goes around to the outside. Yeah. Once he stimulated, it then goes around the outside. Yeah. to to take that in oh it
2: was so fun to watch because yeah. i was like well he obviously knows what he's doing he's not lost you know he's not bizarre and wasn't taught properly so that must be it he's making it sweeter and Gosh, that's why you know that's crazy.
3: one reason that you know speaking of bees that you know people when we're spraying insecticides fungicides or herbicides or whatever but let's just go to insecticides and fungicides spraying it on our blooming plants and our blooming shrubs um Anything that might attract pollinators You know, we always say we want to spray early morning Or late, late in the afternoon Uh, You really don't want to spray during the day Well, first of all, you don't want to ever spray during the heat of the day Anyway, with hardly anything, okay Because you could actually damage what you're spraying But also, if you spray early, early, or late, late You're not really spraying when the pollinators are as active And that's just always a good thing to remember Um, You know, especially if you're spraying, you know, like fruit trees you know, that when you, and, and even vegetables that you have to have pollination, okay? Yep. If you want to expect any kind of fruit. So keep that in mind also, guys, when you're out there spraying.
2: All right, y'all stay tuned. We have a whole another hour to go. Get your questions together, 901-260-5926.
0: the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
2: Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to the Mid-South Garden. Glad you can join us today. (laughs) Call us, 260-5926. That's 260-5926
3: Yeah, give us a call 901-260-5926 Or like uh, we always say You can shoot us a text On the Mighty 990 Mm -hmm. Facebook page And if you do happen to miss all this And you still want some of this great information uh, KWMRadio.com Streaming live all the time Mm -hmm. And you can listen to the podcast At your convenience Right
2: So now I've discovered Another type of theme garden You can plant And it could be called Filter garden
1: Filter. Filter
2: garden You know, there's all the little myo myo what do they call them myoplastics that are really small and in the ocean and they find them in fish and and um,
3: the microplastics, yeah find them in, yeah.
2: like lodged in the liver and all because your liver is what cleanses things well it can keeps breaking down you know so small till it's like paper thin small mm-hmm. and the plastics plus everything else in the environment And we're actually breathing it, and it's making our sinuses and all worse.
3: It's great to have a plastic water bottle, I'm all for it, or a plastic bag that we leave, you know, a grocery store with. Mm -hmm. But plastic doesn't break down like cardboard and paper, okay? Yeah,
2: it just keeps getting, and then it's in the air, and then it's in your system and all. But now they're recommending planting plants that can filter the air. Well, that was, to me, the whole point, not the whole point, but, that's why we plant things is to keep your air fresh and stuff like that in your yard uh, to block noise and all but the evergreens are some of the best because they're the foliage is attracting and holding things like that and that's another reason they say allergies are much more prominent now in other areas is because we've lost a lot of the landscape mm. and so we don't have the natural filters out in our environment to absorb and take up the the pollution indoor pollution or outdoor pollution that all it's byproduct of all the things that we've added well to the not to mention
3: you know you got to have the green tissue out there you know it draws in what carbon monoxide and, mm. and in this you know releases oxygen yeah um i mean the world would be a different place but of mm. green dogs <laughs> Well, dioxide, not monoxide, Jim. Thank you. And Jim, what about, you said you made a comment in the first 10 minutes of the show that we were going to talk about uh, or let people be aware of some
0: boxwood issues. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about boxwood. Um, I got a call this week from Leslie Hollingsworth, who is our field inspector for the University for uh, Tennessee Department of Agriculture apparently there's uh, a number of landscapers going around telling people that they have boxwood blight and are wanting to start a spray program or wanting to replace the boxwoods. Hmm. Um, And the fact is that you don't have boxwood blight. By that particular name, boxwood blight. That's a particular disease. It was found in three locations in Memphis a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. It's been checked as... uh, in just the last 10 days or so, they're clean. They got out the infected plants and destroyed them. Uh, and to our knowledge, there is no other in, infestation in the city. So you don't have boxwood blight. Now, the sectional die-out that we're seeing in so many boxwood mm-hmm. is volutella blight, mm-hmm. which is um, it's an opportunistic fungi. It's there all the time. But when a plant gets stressed, then it kicks in. And you see in a perfectly healthy boxwood, a dead limb. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And usually it's associated with leaves and trash accumulating in the crotch at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And if you clean that out, you're likely to see little pink pustules in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important that you clean that out and and spray a good fungicide like propyconazole in there. Uh, to prevent that from getting any worse.
3: Yeah, and and tell me if I'm wrong, Jim. What I've read about volutella blight also in boxwood is, um, you know, if you do cut the dead tissue out, uh, they want you to sterilize the blade between yes. cuttings, whether yes. it's alcohol, Clorox, or whatever, and come back and spray. And there were they mentioned three fungicides that would control or help control volutella blight. One was the propiconazole that we were talking about for the black spot a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other was daconil, which has been around right. forever great fungicide and then the last one, the,
0: the other name for it. yes
3: and then the last one was the, the liquid copper. Um, so and, and this is damage that we're seeing occur after they'll flush back out you know we went through the winter and all that damage that occurred then and that started showing up immediately so then we start getting new growth thank goodness right and then the new growth starts to die back. And we're like, what the heck is going on now with these boxwoods? Well, like Jim said, it is a fungi that is very opportunistic. It it will it loves stressed boxwoods. And tell me these boxwoods are not stressed this year more than any other year. Mm-hmm. But Jim, like you said, it's a disservice
0: to be spreading a rumor right. that it is actually quote boxwood blight. Right. And you can't spray to prevent boxwood blight or cure it okay even though this is a blight it's not boxwood blight it's different yes and it is treatable but you know when you lose a section out of a big boxwood you it's very difficult to get it to fill back in Mm. and make it look good Uh, it's one of those plants that if you want to be patient you're going to have to, to Grow to be a ripe old age before it'll ever look good, <laughs> <laughs>
3: and, and most people, and I'm not that patient yeah.
0: to be honest with you. Right. So, and that that's usually a, a reason. Just to go ahead and replace it. And um, there are some that are slightly resistant, and, and that's something too. I think you want to look at uh, there are a number of publications. I think University uh, Tennessee State I think has one uh, that's real good on um, the uh, st- whether they're susceptible to true boxwood blight Mm -hmm. and or to leaf miners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, try to plant one that's going to not give you any grief. So, Jim, I wonder, and I know we got William on the phone, and William, hang on just a second,
3: but so you're saying that we have heard, and Leslie Hollinsworth has heard, Mm -hmm. that there are some people going around telling, I guess, landscapers, telling consumers that already have boxwoods that are showing signs of problems that, hey, you got boxwood blight.
0: Yeah. And and you don't, you know, and it's, we don't, I'm not going to say that they're not telling you the truth. They just may be misinformed. That's, that's, that, that was my point because right.
3: there is damage out there.
0: Right. And we know that
3: damage can come from a lot of different reasons. But in, in Voyatella blight is a blight. So when they say you got a boxwood blight, in indirectly, they're telling you what right. you have a problem.
0: But there the problem is, some, there's some real good, um, publications out there that tell you about what damage on a boxwood has come from, whether yeah. it's snow damage, whether it's um, uh, winter nutrient yeah. things other than diseases. And there are a number of them that can cause that. So there's some real good publications out there to that will give you some ideas uh, of really what
1: right. the
3: true problem is. And you know, the, one of the problems and William there, again, hang on one more second, is when we're looking at boxwoods and we're looking at the damage on boxwoods, unfortunately, a lot of the problems, the end result looks the same. Yes. <laughs> you know, whether it's winter damage, whether it's volutella blight, uh, whether it's...
0: Too much or too little water.
3: Too can much, too exactly little water. Exactly the same winter, I mean, the end result, we're
0: looking
2: at yeah.
3: dead tissue, and they all look the same. Mm-hmm. That's why it can be so hard sometimes to diagnose what caused that problem
2: right. so everybody's just saying boxwood blight yeah oh that's yeah. like when the uh, big time covid time and if you sneezed everybody'd say you got COVID. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing with the boxwoods now yeah my boxwood has a problem oh you've got that blight
3: but there is a disease out there a blight called boxwood blight mm-hmm. and that's the one that has been so bad in the carolinas and in virginia's uh, and we're hoping and praying that we never have it get a really foothold here. Like Jim said, there's already been two or three cases a couple years ago. Hadn't heard, hadn't seen any more since then. But don't get boxwood blight, if you read about it, confused with what they are calling volutella blight. I mean, and we're seeing some volutella here big time in Shelby County. I know.
2: I think it is scaring people to where they don't want to plant boxwoods. But there's <clears throat> new gin boxwoods that are yeah. more resistant. But I don't think we should be scared. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to a break. After the break, we're going to go to William, who's calling from Mississippi, and he has a plant horror story. (laughs) Can't wait. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. We're going to take this caller from Mississippi, but that reminded me. I think I know why I have problems spelling. What is I, that? You know how I learned to spell Mississippi?
3: M I, crooked letter, crooked letter. Yes,
2: I. <laughs> crooked letter, crooked letter. I. humpback, humpback. Yes, guy. we've all done it. Yes, That's ma'am. That's why I can't spell. Let's go to William from Mount Pleasant. Good morning, William. Thanks for calling.
5: Good morning. I, I do enjoy y'all's show, and I have for a long time.
3: Thank you, William.
5: Um, I don't have a question. I guess when I tell you my story, I hope you will offer me hope. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that. I hear you. Um, a couple of months ago, we had a tornado come through uh, pretty close mm-hmm. and had roof damage. They determined, I didn't have any leaks, but they determined I needed a new roof and uh, yeah. put on a new roof on the house. Right. This was Thursday, they... Uh, Roof the house. My wife says it's gorgeous, but I have, I can't bear to look at it. Oh, no,
2: um, no. Uh,
5: a few years ago, I took up the uh, big box store type plants that mm-hmm. came with the house that were planted in the front bed. Right. And I redid them over a couple of years mm-hmm. and, and I'm constantly adding to it. That's right. To all native plants. And, uh, anyway I came home Thursday afternoon mm. to flattened everything mm.
1: that
5: ba- nothing was cared for it was all thrown up my roof was torn off right and thrown down and they just the let it
3: plane. slide down and it landed where it landed you know and
5: it landed where it landed yeah and uh, everything is flattened yeah, um, yeah. and I guess, maybe you could offer me some hope and tell me it's going to bounce back. But I mean, it was stuff that had, gosh, there were tons of Mm echinaceas and really, I I am a, Mm -hmm. I'm a gardener who likes blue plants, rare blue plants. Mm -hmm. And I had some really cool native salvias that I don't, I'll never find again. yeah, And uh, things like that, that had, This this I could understand to someone else. It didn't look like a cookie cutter house Mm -hmm. flower bed, right? Um,
1: Yeah, but but
5: I knew what the things were, and Mm -hmm. the things would that were just about to bloom. Oh yeah, I have native I have native roses there that are in bloom now. Yeah, that uh, fortunately a piece of it is standing upright. The rest are flat with pink petals all over the ground and. Uh,
2: anyway, well, judging any by what you of this stuff? Yeah, judging by what you've planted or what the plants you've listed, yeah. since they're all perennials, they, they just got pruned early. They're going to look horrible, so they,
3: you know, this year. I yeah. mean, he's not going to get those beautiful blooms like he normally would get and that wonderful-looking well, foliage.
2: You know, we are early, so some of the echinaceas and salvia should have time to flush out at least late summer bloom.
3: But don't we need to go in there and really clean everything up, cut everything back that's mm-hmm. been broken
2: yeah. Um,
0: and then, you know, just water and feed like we normally would. Mm-hmm. And pre- pretty much. I mean, you know, was there any woody stuff in there?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Some there's, of the roses. There's a, uh, there's a <laughs> Carolina allspice that, uh, took a nice pruning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, my, uh, purple beauty berry mm-hmm. is, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 It sounds like, luckily, and, by what you've planted, that it's gonna. Yeah,
0: I think it's mm-hmm. gonna gonna be okay. I really do. Yeah, I mean,
3: but
5: it's okay. well. That's that's what I need to hear. I, yeah. I do. I do appreciate, uh, and I hope that that's the case. And, and I can stand a, a ugly year. That's right. Um, yeah. I can get through it, but
0: uh, well, beautyberry really excels by cutting it back hard every year. Yeah. Um, in <clears throat> the Carolina, I all,
5: usually do. I usually do, (laughs) and this year I didn't. I I let it go, and it has already flushed and all of that. Yeah,
3: Yeah. but William, I'm I'm with everybody else. I mean, first of all, it's horrible that that happened. I mean, because that should be your choice, not someone else's choice, okay, to destroy your landscape. That's number one. Two is, though, with being native plants, I mean, they're tough as they can be. That's one good thing about all of this. And a lot of these, like Beta said, are perennials, and some of them are woody-type plants, like Jim was talking about. You might not have quite the bloom you know, on, on some of these beautiful blue-blooming perennials that you normally would get, but overall, if you can just get past this year, cut all that dead tissue out of there, and it's going to start dying back if it's broken, of course, uh, but you're going to be perfectly fine. I guarantee you on if not most everything that you own, but everything that you still own.
5: Well, I hope so. I do want to say, uh, obviously, I will not name the roofer, mm-hmm. but the owner came and met with me yesterday. Yeah. And he did offer, he, one of his sons has a landscape company, and he said, if you can make me a list, yeah, we will do our best to find the plants yeah. and bring them out, and you won't have to do a thing. And yeah. I told him, I said, well, it's going to be impossible. for. Yeah. I, I haven't kept a list. It's just something I've done. I right. don't know the names of a lot of them. and." Yeah. Uh, and also, I I don't want someone else to do it. That's uh, part of the joy <laughs> yeah. of that's me what, was uh, mm-hmm. what I had done. But yeah. hopefully, it'll bounce back. And uh, Amen and to that. William. Tell you know, and I agree a, with you, William. Tell
2: him to get you a gift certificate to a local garden center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you know? For yeah. $4,000. <laughs> <Right. laughs> because that's about <laughs> what it sounds like, doesn't it? With, but no, if, if you had somebody do all that work for yeah. you mm-hmm. as well. It might be. I. I live
5: really close to uh, the Strawberry Plains Audubon Center where the Hummingbird Festival is Absolutely. every Absolutely, down in Holly Springs, I yes. I bet you I have spent $1,000 mm-hmm. in plant sales in yeah. the last five years yeah. there. But uh, well, I, I... I wish I knew the names of the stuff, but, but I don't. Uh, Right, well, most gardeners don't,
2: actually. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, William, for the call. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thanks,
3: William. Thank you, buddy. I know
2: you go to a lot of gardens, and most people don't remember the names of all the plants, and that's just how we are. Yeah, but that's pretty,
3: I mean, I would think that's pretty unusual.
2: Yeah. I mean, to have
3: those roofers not somehow, you know, because I've seen where they put wood down there, kind of like a lean-to, and it just... You know, nothing gets in that's, the bed.
2: That's why that owner went out there, and of course he's probably thinking of all the people for them to drop shingles on. It's <sighs> a plant connoisseur, and, you know, a collector.
3: And think about what William said also that a lot of his perennials, Jim, and his shrubs or whatever, are blue in nature. Even mm-hmm. the Calicarpa, you know, is going to have blue yeah. berries in the fall. But there's not, to me, there's not a not a lot of natural blue blooming plants out there.
2: It, yeah, that's the hard thing. Is they say you know, there's they there's not a lot of blue in the garden, but uh, you know, cat mint is blue. Blue days, some of the blue uh, salvia,
3: the 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 balloon flowers, bloom
2: flowers, yeah, for yeah. blue, black blue and blue
3: flowers. salvia, like you're talking about. I mean, if you look around, I mean, you can find some blue, mm-hmm. but it's not as plentiful as say the whites, the reds, the oranges, yeah. those type of colors yeah, out there.
2: Exactly. I'm um yeah, reds, yellows, oranges. But, but very few blue. It, white, you know, we never use white a there's, lot.
0: No, there's no blue pigment. Mm-hmm. You have red, mm-hmm. orange, and yellow pigments in flowers, Okay. but there is no blue. It has to blend it. It's uh, itself, amazing. Yeah, think
3: it's
2: about yeah. what you yeah. just itself. said, Jim. Mm-hmm. You're right. Now I'm trying to think, what do we have blue? I know there's not a lot of blue, but I know there's more than what I just named.
0: Oh, delphiniums, yeah. world of salvias. Yeah, salvias, uh,
2: definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's but
3: the, but but my point though is with William, he's he's really kind of got mm-hmm. this thing to where he's got it, you know, landscaped the way he wants it, and then for it to get crushed like that. But would y'all go in there, Jim and Veda, Would y'all go in there and selectively kind of clean up mm-hmm. yeah, anything that's yeah. broken? Of yeah. course, get it out of there. Uh, uh, and if I mean, it's not broken, see if it stands back up on its own. But yeah. water and feed, like yeah, I think would. most of it will be back in right. bloom. Yeah, yeah. Only do. I,
2: yeah. Do. I think so. So I don't think he's got a long time to wait till it recovers. It painful, and it's painful that's for sure especially when you've got stuff that's blooming so pretty which takes us to the fact that okay if you've planted containers hanging baskets if you've planted some like 4 weeks ago 6 weeks ago you're probably needing to fertilize
1: oh yeah
2: yeah because you first you're fixing to go into heat time but it has used everything that's possible in that soil and if you don't get ahead of the fertilizer then it's harder to get that fertilizer back in the system quick enough to not miss a beat right so like for instance i've had we've had containers planted for a while and they look gorgeous But I know if I don't add fertilizer now, within a couple of weeks, it's going to be exhausted or it's not going to have enough to, you know, endure this heat. Uh, What about the
3: age old question? Do you prefer using a granulated uh, fertilizer, like, let's say, like Osmocote Mm -hmm. or start and grow? Or do you like to use a water soluble plant
2: food? Well, right now I'm doing both. Uh, You know, I'm just going to just hit it up. And then I'd like to go like two weeks, a granule, two weeks, the liquid. Then uh, the next two weeks do both, you know, just always um, turning out what you're changing what you're doing. But at first, like now I'm just going to do the liquid and the granule. And we do actually in our water jugs, we keep some of the Fox Farm fertilizer mixed in with Mm -hmm. the water. So every time we hit something that looks like it's getting a little heat stressed or maybe it's been there just a week or so, a little too long, then we're watering it with the water, with the fertilizer in it.
3: Yeah, and I'm with you. Even if I use something like Osmocote, uh, which I love using in containers because it's a good, non-burning, very long-lasting fertilizer, right? Well, we're watering the container so much that you're leaching everything yeah. out of that soil. And I surely don't mind using, even if I've used a granulated fertilizer like Osmocote, mm-hmm. I don't mind coming back every two weeks using a water-soluble and the beauty of the water-soluble is it's going to work really fast. The drawback is it's not going to last that long. Mm-hmm. But that's okay if I keep doing that in yeah. these container-grown plants.
2: Right? Yeah, we we have used these big bloom. Or Tiger Bloom I'm never using the exact same fertilizer Over and over Because each one of them has different attributes And
3: we're talking about the Fox Farm liquid plant foods Like Grow Big, Big Mm -hmm. Bloom, Tiger Bloom Like you're talking about And go wrong with those products
2: Right, and worm castings Gotta have worm castings Alright y'all, just hang on one sec We'll be right back Good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening.
3: Beta's bopping in her seat again. All yeah, it takes is a little music.
2: That's relaxing it's May little, music. Yeah, that's good music. <laughs> Said no yeah. garden center employee ever. That's right. That May's relaxing. It's a blast, that's for sure. I love all the people coming in. The hustle bustle, the wondering what to get, how to get, where to put it. How do I get it out of my car? Yeah. Pretty. You know, what if I do when I get home? And yeah. of course, they want us to go with them and plant it. And there's days where I'm like, yeah, scoot over. I'm getting the car with you and go. Drive out as fast as you can. You're
3: not going to believe what I've already seen this year.
2: What have you seen? A guy
3: came in the other day, uh, and he had two little tomatoes, about the size of golf balls, okay? I mean, they're, so they're growing. And he's like, man, what is going on with this tomato? One of the tomatoes that he brought in, and they were green, had blossom in rot.
1: Oh, and I'm like,
3: already. Yeah. I'm like, You're the first one this year that has come in with a tomato with blossom end rot. And I just want to bring this up because if you don't know what it is, it is if you've got a tomato and the bottom of the tomato starts to turn black, that is typically blossom end rot, okay? Now, what I sold him was calcium nitrate, okay, which Mm -hmm. I think is one of the best products out there, period, to help uh, prevent further blossom end rot. Uh, I know there's calcium chloride that's a liquid that you can spray and then there's calcium nitrate. In this case, that is a granulated product that you sprinkle around the tomato. And I'm telling you guys, it's, it's great for what it does. In fact, it's good to use around tomatoes and if you don't have blossom and yeah. rot. But I was just thinking, you know, blossom end rot we know can be from a lack of calcium. So try to lime your garden plot every year, especially when you plant tomatoes, right, Jim, to keep that pH up. But just as important, you want to try to keep your area at a constant moisture because we know that huge fluctuations, I shouldn't say huge, big, large fluctuations in water from staying real wet to dry, real dry to wet, real wet to dry, dry to wet, you can also get Mm -hmm. blossom and rot that way. But if you do those simple things, making sure that pH is up around six and a half, making sure you're keeping a constant moisture Right. steady constant moisture around your tomato plants uh you probably won't even see any blossom and rot but if you do that product called calcium nitrate by high yield i'm sure other people make it but it's the one that we carry you just sprinkle that around the tomato water it in come back in two weeks and do it again and you will prevent that freaking blossom and rot
2: i thought of some other blue plants well hydrangeas you can get the blue blooms from those.
3: You can get yeah. Them.
2: How about the gray owl juniper? I mean, it's kind of got a, a bluish yeah, gray, especially when you pair it with some other blues. Um, you could add some like silver artemisia, mm-hmm. which isn't blue, but it you know kind of lends to See, the Beta's reflection just, of she's blue. She's just
3: daydreaming about the days that she was out there designing yeah. all this stuff. You the know,
2: phenomenal you lavender. I mean, it's purple, but it's kind of could be in a blue category. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, some people see lots of shades of color, and some people only see a, lo- a small variety of shades of colors, too. Well, and, and
3: lavenders are something that's pretty unique, Jim, and you know this, uh, in Veda, is a lot of people say they cannot grow lavender. Cannot, they've mm-hmm. tried, cannot do it for whatever reason. There is, um, uh, there are Spanish lavenders that are, Pretty dang hardy around here, Mm -hmm. Uh, and just remember the the biggest thing with lavender and it's simple is good drainage. Mm -hmm. You cannot and should not attempt to grow lavender if you don't have perfect drainage or good drainage. It's just not going to make it. Right? Yeah.
2: So I did. Lavender does great in containers. I had no problems, and that this was actually it was a phenomenal that I used in containers. And I like that. In, I like
3: phenomenal and sensational. Yeah. I love them.
2: And then the flower bed that's out on the street, it's raised. Um, it gets sun from the wall, from the street, from the sidewalk, but phenomenal um lavender there too. Now, of course it died out last year, but I'm putting more in because it died out <laughs> because it was cold. So yeah, you know, lavender's definitely doable. Yeah. And let's see, we've got Mr. Paul. Good morning, Mr. Paul. You're in the mid south garden.
4: Good morning, Veda,
3: Kenneth, and Jim. Everybody? Mr. Paulin, that wasn't me that mentioned your name early this morning.
2: With the I Northern know, South. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> they're baiting you. That's all. That's what they're doing. <laughs> we want to hear your voice. I know.
3: <laughs> and, and, and yes, Mr. Paulin, I've always you know, kind of pulled your leg like I can't thank you enough for the plants that you gave me that just keep on giving, right? Kinda of like oh, right. the kind of like the crate myrtle the lady was trying to get rid of those sprouts that keep coming up. And um and the northern sea oats, you know, I never will forget that. And and then the yellow blooming uh you know, violets. I, I will never ever forget that either. So you will always be a part of me, Mr. Paul, whether it's good you or see, bad. Okay. That's,
4: <laughs> that's a good thing that plants do because I'm the same way. I've got I've got some four o'clocks that come up out there volunteer every year, and I think Miss Gloria. Yep when I think about four o'clock, but also my mama had them all over our place down in Texas Mm -hmm. when I was born and raised, and uh, 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 it always makes me think of mom, and that's always a good thing.
3: And we've all Mm -hmm. said that many different things can cause us to reminisce, you know, whether it's a smell of something or some some taste of some food, but Mr. Paul, Mm -hmm. plants do the same thing, so whether it's good or bad, it it makes us think of people.
4: It does, yeah, and they're usually good. There's very few. I mean, once in a while, when you talk about chameleon plant,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
4: remember that hotina? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, see, I, I always liked that. I had it growing in the bed, and it's—I think it's still in there somewhere. <laughs> but I don't even think about it. But I, every time I look at it, I think about all them people that just—and they can't get rid of it because you pull it up. And that root just breaks. It don't ever mm-hmm. come up.
3: I'm like well, you. I've been there. I think that is one of the prettiest ground covers you can ever get your hands on. But I know better, Mr. Paul. I'm not going to do what you did to me for, to someone else later on in life and say, hey, do you want a sprig of this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I pass
4: along plants. Right. That's what happens, you know. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Well, we miss you, Mr. Paul. How have you been feeling, buddy? And um, everything looking
4: pretty good around the house? Real good. Love it. I'm I'm lying, of course, but uh, I'm you know I'm not going to get into that. Though. That's a long story, and I ain't getting into it. But I'm we're fine. Thank you for asking. And what about
3: um, sedums? I know you don't get out and grow the sedums, Mr. Paul, like you used to. Uh, I mean, do you know of anybody? I mean, like your son or someone else out there growing a lot of these sedums? And can we call them the sedum guy? You know,
4: like you used to do. Not that I know of, okay. because Gene House, House called me the other day looking for some Phaedimus tachomensis, and I didn't have any that looked decent. Yeah, in fact, and she I told me she called you. Yeah, she said that uh, she tra- Larry got her some one time, but uh, they, she. I mean, you just have trouble finding it for some reason.
1: Yeah,
4: it's yes. a real good plant, but it's one of them that never caught on.
1: Yeah.
2: I know that I do feel the void that you're, since you're not around, you know, doing your growing anymore. I do feel the void in the sedum community. Oh, I yeah. In the ones I, 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 pre- want. I
4: appreciate that.
3: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, it's one of those things where it was kind of always overlooked as far as sedums, you know, because we knew they were always there available if we wanted any. Well, now all of a sudden, there's not as many sedums out there, Mr. Paul, and everybody wants them.
2: Yeah, Isn't
4: that the way things happen How do exactly figure that thing out It's like washing yeah,
2: well, you, your car
4: It's going to rain know, Pla- Plato told me years ago When I first started uh, You know collecting and trying To grow sedum He said why in the world would you want to do that Nobody <laughs> knows anything about it They don't want them They think it's a weed And there wouldn't mm-hmm. but two or three that was out there That Mr. Casel had Yeah, And uh, it was just plants that Really, people wouldn't understand. And in I said, "Well, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I just, I, I liked them. Yeah, <laughs> still, still do. Well,
3: I think single-handedly, I promise you, single-handedly, I think that you rose the awareness of sedums right. in this city, or maybe even here in the mid south, because Mr. Paul. It's funny how people love sedums, and they're looking for sedums nowadays that they never used to. So, our hats off to you, buddy.
4: Well. I think, And uh, to mention somebody that grows, now he don't have all of them, but David DeShields down in Minus Vinus grows cage mm-hmm. Little Joy and uh, Turkish Sedum and Chinese and a few of those good ones. Yeah. So, I mean, you, y'all you could, y'all still get stuff from him, We I'm do. Sure?
3: Yes, sir. That's where we get some of our sedums also. Yes, sir.
4: Yep. Well, he's the only one that's even close to local. I don't know how long he'll keep coming to Memphis. Right. He's been running up here for, you you, you know, the stockyard, and Dan West basically made his business.
3: 30-something years, you know, yeah.
4: That's right, yep. Well, Paul, you... He's a good guy.
3: You sound great, buddy. We, We wish you a great Memorial Day weekend. Um... If you get in the boat, uh, just remember to put that life jacket on, bud. I
4: ain't getting in no boat with nobody. (laughs) (laughs) But in case I do, I'll remember. Thank you, Kenneth. We We love love you, Mr. Paul. You do a great job.
2: Oh, thank you for the call, Mr. Paul. And we will talk to you later. And y'all hang on because we're gonna go to a break and we'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid South Garden. Glad you can join us this morning. You know, we were talking about pass along plants, and there is the spirea that I talk about that I love a lot. It's the Ogon, O G O N. And I kind of, kind of, it looks more like maybe you would call it a native plant, native spirea. It doesn't have like blooms like the others, but it's really pretty. So I went to this lady's yard, and she had a couple growing there. And they were large and I thought, Wow, she's all she's all up on the new stuff, you know, and I go, Oh, I love that spirea, that ogon and She goes, Oh, I've been wondering what the name of it is well, this lady, she's 93, and she still gardens. Wow! And she goes, yeah, I could, I've been wondering what the name of that plant is because my grandmother gave me that plant.
3: <laughs> Think about that. And
2: I was like, well, I thought that was kind of a new plant in the yeah. industry. And she's 93, and her grandmother gave it the plant. And they've been taking starts and taking starts off it forever. But now she's happy to know. And I said, well, that's what we call it now, maybe when she gave it to you. But, you know, these memory plus along plants – that you discover in people's oh, yards that creak. I thought were new and they weren't. It's and been it's, there since forever. Well, and
3: it's about reminiscing, like we said, also. Yeah. And so many things cause us to reminisce, and plants are definitely one of them. Yeah,
2: y'all got to look up that spirea, though. It's really cool. Let's go to Miss Kim. Good morning, Miss Kim. You're in the Mid South Garden. Good morning, Veda Kenneth Jim. Good and Miss
3: Kim, good morning to you, my dear. I had not heard your sweet voice in quite a while, but I do read some texts every now and then that you send out. Yeah, and, and, I just. Sent- I sent an e- email yesterday
5: of picture us in the garden. Did you get that?
3: I haven't seen it yet. No, ma'am. But I would definitely look at it today, Miss Kim. And I hope okay. you and Mr. Eddie are doing perfectly fine.
5: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing okay. <clears> the <throat> reason I'm calling today, I, I was on the phone when Mr. Paul came on, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure what all was covered. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make sure
3: that the whole Mid-South knew that I believe yesterday was Mr. Paul's birthday. Oh, so that sneaky little thing didn't say anything about that, Miss so Kim. I, I called and left a voicemail on his phone yesterday, so I hope he heard it by now.
5: Um, but, you know, sometimes his phone messages take hours to get <laughs> to the destination, so I don't
3: know. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've always been impressed on how, and I, I use the word smart, Miss Kim, that you are when it comes to remembering people's birthdays and, and certain events because I know I can't keep it a secret when my birthday comes around because you're telling somebody
5: yeah, but, but, yeah I, I'm a computer on in on dates and stuff well but
3: but in all jokes aside, you know I promise you we appreciate it Miss Kim we really do honestly.
2: But so Mr. Paul no he happy didn't birthday to Mr. Paul.
3: He did not bring up that yesterday was his birthday, no ma'am. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right, thank you Kim for the call. Okay, the garden is starting to pop. They are. Yes, we love
3: is. you, darling. Thank, thank you. you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for the call. And
3: I tell you what Miss Kim and and Mr. Eddie helps Miss Kim because mm-hmm. Miss Kim is legally blind, okay? But she's got these uh, she plants a lot of the stuff in containers in her backyard. And you would not believe, guys, because I see the pictures of these uh, different vegetables and passion flowers and passion fruit and all this stuff. It looks like you're walking through the produce department. And I mean, and I'm telling it's beautiful. Yeah. It truly yeah. is. And I know she couldn't do it without her sidekick, Mr. Eddie. Yeah. And he's a wonderful fellow, too.
2: Vegetable gardening and herb garden is very pretty, actually, mm. even though a lot of folks don't think so. It's really pretty. Now, there's this um, birding app at Cornell University has put out. And I was like, y'all know, I, how weird to be a gardener and live in an apartment, but that so be it right now. Yeah. And where we're at, the trees have actually grown it, <laughs> up to around the patio. The yeah, and yeah, all so that, I'm yeah. like in a tree house, yeah. basically. So i got this birding app um, from Cornell University, and it identified seven birds out in out in that area. So
3: you're looking out there and seeing these different varieties of birds mm-hmm. thinking, what the heck yeah. is that? You I mean, know? I
2: hear a bunch of different calls and sounds and it's comforting and I love it. Uh, but I don't really know which ones they are. And, and so as you turn the app on to listening, it's identifying the birds and pulling Oh, them it does it the by screen. the sound of their... Yeah.
0: It's called Merlin.
2: Yep. It's what? called Merlin. I
0: have it on my phone also. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 so I'm around with my phone, you know, like... But I'm sitting there. I've got the Carolina Wren, the Northern Mockingbird, American Robin, mm-hmm. House Sparrow, tufted Titmouse, the um, Cardinal, and the Red Eye Vireo? Vireo. Vireo. Vireo yeah. Red Eye Vireo. And so then you can play back all their different songs and and how they sound. But then also this app, it connects you over into bird, the bird watching community and all the things you can get on to, to participate. So now I'm thinking...
3: That is pretty impressive.
2: But it hasn't identified a hummingbird yet.
3: Unless uh, you hear the little... <laughs> the little <jerk>. Wings. <laughs> I yeah. saw
0: my first one this week. Yeah. I've, I've got one too. around our feeder, yes. feeding. I put the feeders up um, 10 days ago or so, but, yep. I, but they were f- trying to feed off of a tuberous begonia. Yeah. So well, uh, glad to see see. I right
2: know. Now. It's so exciting. I walked out on the patio and started sitting down on my chair the same time the hummingbird was coming up to the petunia. And both of us saw each other and kind of backed up, like, what? Yeah. Where'd you come from? We're both des- destined going to this petunia here. So he looked at me, I looked at him, he flew a little bit, you know, hovering, red throat, mm-hmm. beautiful. I was like, nah, I don't think I trust you enough to stay right here. Mm. So, But we both just kind of stopped, and you look at each other like, what? What are you doing But if here? you put
3: that feeder up, I mean, they will stick around, I'm telling you, for the rest of the year. They know they got, and that's not all they eat, don't yeah. get me wrong, but if they know they got that supply of sugar water over there, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, they're
2: visiting the purple petunias, the red salvia, the uh, cigar plant, or the kufias that's mm-hmm. got the little tubes Love in there. It. And the, he'll stay and you can just count and he'll take like 10 drinks from 10 different tubes and then move on. So uh, it's, I'm up in a tree house now, so maybe I don't get to garden as much on the ground, but I'm getting a whole new bird watching experience. So yeah. now it's got to be the binoculars. Hey, does, does your phone have binoculars app? I bet it does. No. I don't know. We could have a binocular and app. It doesn't. I'm gonna find. Well, I'm out. not
3: gonna say that because I. Don't,
2: <laughs> I do. So I got smartphones. smartphone, so and, you know that. I mean, it may not be as good as some of the other binocs that you can get, but try that out. And, and birding
3: is big. I know some people. Um, I mean, quite a few people that are that have. There's one guy I know, um, and he's a, He don't mind me mentioning his name. His guy is David Hill, mm-hmm. a wonderful fella, retired pilot, and he's been birding his whole life. Quite honestly. And one of his biggest things, Vaden Jim, is seagoing birds. He likes coastal, seagoing type birds. That's, that was really his main passion. Now, he, he also loves inland birds, too, bluebirds mm-hmm. and everything else. And he spent his whole life putting up bluebird houses all over this country. But it's amazing how I'll see some of the pictures uh, that he takes. And of course, you know, you got to have good binoculars like yeah. you're talking about or a good zoom lens to really kind of get in there and see the texture of these birds but uh yeah it's it's man it's people enjoy doing it mm-hmm.
2: i'm looking forward to when i go visit <laughs> my son in florida because his balcony is over the lake and so i'm seeing all kinds of the florida birds that i have no idea the sounds and also i'm looking forward to identifying and
3: then some the of the birds, birds that just kind of pass through yeah you know it's pretty cool to see those birds i mean because they're not native here at all but they just mm-hmm. kind of pass through our uh, territory or where we live, it seems like you know once a year or twice a year, Jim. So it's pretty cool to see that. But
2: well, on Jim, on the Mid South Garden Facebook page, Carl Hart uh, is always posting bird pictures that are wonderful. Kurt. Carl. Car, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Hart Kurt. Kurt. Kurt.
3: Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. And, and, all right. Let me say this real Sorry. quick because I know we got to go hurt here hurt. just a second. <laughs> is one of the things that we didn't talk about this morning? We were talking about uh, Miss Kim a while ago and her beautiful gardening that mm-hmm. she's doing in containers. Uh. Man, we've seen a lot of slugs and snails this year. Just they're everywhere. And I guess with all the wet weather we had back in April and all the stuff, this tender stuff that we're planting now, slugs are just everywhere, especially if you've got things like hostas. So if you're getting these big holes that are being gnawed into your leaves – Gnawed is still a word, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, Getting chewed get into your leaves. <clears throat> <laughs> the, uh, the iron phosphide, the uh, you know the slug magic, the uh, come and get it, uh, spinosid product that's got uh, iron phosphide in it. You need to put out a slug bait if you're having a problem because I'm telling you, they're out there in right. big numbers this year.
2: So I'm thinking uh, in other parts of the United States, you gnash. In the South, you gnaw.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, in the South,
2: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What's.
3: And then some people people, use diatomaceous earth, but. And some people use beer in containers and they'll sink it down in the ground. Because if you drink that beer, you don't
2: know you have slugs, and so it's all good. Is that how that beer works?
3: Yeah. You take a couple sips, pour it in there,
2: and you're good to go. I like using the
3: slug bait. And I'll be back
0: next week with two new hosts, hopefully, here that you.
2: (laughs) 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 Well, Jim, we love you. We love Kenneth I love being here with y'all in our audience week. see you next weekend. <laughs>